0: This argument is why we're going to stop being friends. Like one day we're going to get drunk and get really mad about this. <laughs> I think
1: we have I think we have We probably already.
0: we probably have. <laughs> like like in a
1: way that like uh if, you know, maybe other guys would get in a fight over, you know, sports or a girl or something like that. Like <laughs> you and yeah. I get getting fights over Celsius versus Fahrenheit. Right. Yeah. You're the only person I know who I can't convince that okay, at least it makes sense for temperature.
0: Yeah, you can't convince me because it doesn't make sense. It's just, anyway, whatever. I don't want to get into it. But it's it's uh, in the 90s, way too hot. In the 100s, dangerously hot. In the 80s, nice you? and warm. Uh, honestly, I kind of believe you. I, I get it. I really do. Especially as I spend more time in, in the States. I, I, <laughs> I really do. And that can't leave this close circle of... You, me, and all of you listeners. So yeah, I do get it. I just, it's, but the arguments for it make no sense, man. Like, it's all about what you're accustomed to.
1: I totally agree that for any, anything else, for, you know, doctors, you know, you go to the hospital, they should do everything in Celsius. You know, all science obviously should be conducted in Celsius or Kelvin or, or whatever scale makes sense. But for talking sure, about yeah. the weather, Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit's the bomb.
0: So, okay, trying to, trying to get away from this a little bit. Apple introduced a whole bunch of new uh, APIs this last cycle uh, for different measurements. And one of them was temperature. What do you think the uh, the system they used was? Uh, probably Celsius. Kelvin. Kelvin, huh. Yeah, because I wanted it to be Celsius because I wanted it to be like, Hey, screw you John. But no, it was Kelvin. Which makes sense cuz zero in Kelvin is like it's absolute zero, the, right? Oh, it's absolute zero. Yeah. yeah. There is I mean there's so it's the there is the the own, science, there there are like, own... nothing moves there right. there's no like it is zero zero. It's not like water gets cold. It's like right. done.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that makes some sense. It's sort of like uh you know, the
0: equivalent of keeping time from the epoch. Yes. Yeah. Hello. Right. Yeah, right. Like you got to pick an arbitrary date kind of thing. So. Right. Yeah. Um,
1: I got some follow up. I don't know if you listened to my last show with Jason. Jason Snell was on and yeah, we got yeah. we got talking about mechanical keyboards. Yeah. And I expressed my um um frustration with the fact that that there's you get into mechanical keyboards. Like I I got into them and I like the Apple Extended too. Mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of switches I think they're made by a company called Alps. But you don't have to choose. I just know that I like the Apple Extended 2 keyboard. I used it when I was a kid. Uh, I owned one since I was 19 years old. Um, yeah. I just this is it.
0: one thing where I, I mean, honestly, really only the temperature thing is where I you <laughs> off your rocker. But you are totally right about that keyboard. Right. I think you have a weird obsession with it. Like I, I just do. Move, I move with the times. Right. It is a weird obsession. I, but I admire, I admire your dedication to that one keyboard. Well,
1: Jason and I, Jason and I have got talking about modern mechanical keyboards when you buy like a new USB one. And when you buy them, you get the choice between different switches. So, if, And there's other companies too, but the famous company is Cherry. This company, Cherry, makes mechanical yeah. keyboard switches and they make blue ones, uh, red ones, brown ones, clear ones, black ones, and I think green ones. And how do how do you choose? And and there's descriptions of them, and they play. You go to the website, and they have little sounds, and you can listen to them. But that listening to the click of a keyboard is nothing like actually using no. it. A couple of readers, this is the follow-up. A couple of readers um, sent in that there's a company called uh, I don't know how you pronounce it WASD keyboards, W A S D keyboards,
0: and they oh, make oh, that's f- the uh, those are the the movement keys for like games like Doom or Quake or uh, if it's a Mac. Uh, uh, oh man. It's a classic Mac one, Mac shooter. Right. I guess that's uh, it's not Destiny. It's, it's the Bungie guys right. from way back in the day, and I'm blanking on it right now. You know what's funny? I did yeah. not. I, it's been so long
1: since I was in the games. I didn't realize that that's where they got the company name from. But that is exactly what I'm guessing. But w, that's no, it worse. is. That's if you look yeah. at their logo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it makes no sense otherwise. The so WASD keyboards they sell a product that is amazing. It is called the Wadsdy six key cherry MX switch tester. You pay 15 bucks and it it's not like an electrical device. It's just like a piece of metal with one of each of the six types of switches on top and a clear huh. keycap. And then, uh, they also send you a pack of these O ring dampeners. They're just like little rubber band type things that you, you can optionally put into the key to sort of dampen the clickiness, the sound of it. Um, it's a for 15 bucks it's a great thing i have no idea if i'm even going to buy one of these keyboards but i instantly bought this thing for 15 bucks came like two days why not
0: yeah marathon marathon just before syracuse gets mad at me (laughs) it was marathon right yeah anyway so sorry 15 bucks marathon
1: was the only was the last time i really got into a 3d game i was i was deeply obsessed with marathon cool and that, that was before the gaming part of my brain rotted away. Anyway, this sample kit, highly recommend it. I will put it in the show notes. Um, Very fun if you're curious about the different types of keycaps. But it's also, it makes a very fun, in my opinion, desk toy. I like to just have it here. Now I've got a keyboard where I can just sit here and click keys, and I'm not doing anything (laughs) on screen. That's cool. I think what I like, if I were going to buy one of these keyboards, I think what I would get is the cherry brown switches, probably with the, uh, the dampener. In there, and it feels. To oh, me, you go with the dampener. Interesting. I think so. It's very hard to tell. I almost wish that I didn't have to choose whether I got the dampener. Or yeah. Not.
0: You know what I love about this? It's it's a real nerd connoisseur kind of thing. Like most people on Earth do not care. No. But the people who care care a lot. Yeah. Like they're you know like you're you're going to be pulling your hair out trying to make a decision to go with the dampener or not. You know. Yeah. Which is, well, and the other thing I found out, and this Wazdy company has a very good fact on their website.
1: So the other thing that I found out is that it's not quite the decision between these six key cap or key switch colors isn't quite as complex as you think. There's really only three types, hmm. the blue, the brown, and uh, I forget what's the other one that the default is. I think it might be the black. But the idea is that the, uh, or the red, I guess, the three main ones are the Blue, the brown, and the red. And then the other three, each one of them corresponds to one of the other two and just requires a little bit more force to activate. It has, mm-hmm. it has like a, a spring that is more, um, has more resistance. So it takes a little bit more force to push it. And restore when you're done pushing it will push the key back up faster apparently gamers a lot of gamers prefer the ones with more resistance because they feel like they can uh hit the key faster because it springs up a little bit faster that's interesting so the black one is the red with more resistance the clear one is the brown with more resistance and the green one is the blue with more resistance Hmm. so there you go you've learned something every day
0: so, what do you like about the like the the travel, the sound? I mean, it's just I, satisfying. I feel the sound is like that's like an artifact of you actually liking to type on the thing, right?
1: I it's just a, a tactile satisfaction. Right. It just yeah. it's there's there's something satisfying to me about clicking an actual button.
0: Yeah, okay, but more so than like uh, well, whatever I'm looking at now, like the the Apple Magic. Do they call a magic keyboard <laughs> the, Yeah, uh, you I don't know, know the standard apple keyboard like yeah i think they're called the magic keyboard 2 now okay which is not the, a bad these keyboard. guys have like very little travel they're, they're yeah. basically laptop keyboards right with you know with a little bit of extra travel just because they a little bit yeah right. they, they can afford it
1: given the space right and i you know i yeah. will offer you know when i travel i don't take a mechanical keyboard with me i just type oh, on right. a macbook you know for as long as it takes i mean it's not like i'm um a princess who can't sleep on a mattress if there's a pee. Right, up, yeah, I mean. right. <laughs> but I do feel the pee. <laughs> I just still sleep right on top of
0: it. It's like okay, I'm going to deal with it.
1: <laughs> anyway, that's my follow up. I highly recommend. I hopefully, hopefully, this company will be overwhelmed with uh, requests from talk show listeners buying these uh, switch testers. And like yeah, I said, it's a very cool. fun little desk tour in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I'm going to probably check one out. That's cool.
1: All right, I wanted to talk, here's a, here's a piece from earlier this uh, month that I, I specifically wanted to talk to you about, because I feel like your sensibility would might be, uh, you might have an interesting take on this. Earlier this month, um, during, I forget which beta release, but the betas for uh, iOS and Mac uh, Sierra, macOS Sierra, mm-hmm. uh, were updated. And one of the changes, they made some changes to the emoji. And the one that was controversial, I wrote about it, a lot of people wrote about it, is that okay. Apple changed the, it's called the Pistol, I mean, a lot, most people call, maybe call it the gun, but, like, the official Unicode name is pistol. Mm-hmm. They changed it from a realistic uh, revolver-type gun to a
0: uh, toy, like, space water gun. Water pistol. Oh, no. is it a wa- It's a water pistol. That's right. It's a water – right. well, looks like a water pistol to me. I mean, yeah. whatever. Use your own
1: interpretation. No, I think it definitely does. When you make it big, you can definitely see it's a water pistol. It's Microsoft that used to have a Zap gun. That's right. Yeah. So they made it a toy water pistol. <laughs> Poor Microsoft. Yeah. <laughs> Uh,
0: <laughs> so wait is what what's the question or did you just want
1: well what to do you it? what do you think about? I mean the controvers- the controversy is uh, let me try to summarize it. I'd say one angle on it is this is the nanny state. this is they're coddling us you know the, whatever problems that are with real guns in the world, the problem is when actual guns are fired and actual bullets rip through actual human flesh. A picture of it, a cartoon picture of a gun that you send as a text message is is an abstraction, and it's it would be you know what's the difference between not showing the emoji or not allowing you to type the character string "gun" in a string? Mm -hmm. I think that would be the expression of the 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 opposition to this that I've seen, and then the second opposition, which is less politically charged, it's more of a linguistic. Argument is if all other major platforms render this this code point mm-hmm. as a realistic gun, and I send a, a string of emoji that includes the gun, it will have a different. It could it could be interpreted as having a different semantic meaning on iOS and Mac now compared to these other platforms. Yeah, that yeah, I might definitely. think that everybody sees it as a squirt gun. And I send it to you
0: and... Which you- is harmless. And guess what? Right. Everybody else is an actual gun, which is not good. Right. Um, so to the first argument, that's an argument for inaction. Yes, you're right. Like a stupid emoji is not going to change anything. And the guns actually being fired in real life really do cause harm. But I don't see that as an argument for why you must keep the pistol emoji to be a like a gun pistol, like a, a like a weapon, rather than a squirt pistol. You know what I mean? Like the, it's you' the that argument is one that you're conflating two different things, and a pistol is a perfectly fine thing that you may want to represent an emoji. Okay, maybe so. Also, the water pistol is something you may want to represent like there is no it it's purely a politically charged argument i i think at least um and I think probably because this comes on the heels of uh the rifle emoji being uh rejected rejected it, there, right yeah. there was a proposal in the
1: you know like every year there's there's some sort of process that the unicode consortium goes through where new characters are, are suggested for emoji i guess for all of unicode you know that there might be a, a you know some obscure language from a you know a, a small tribe in asia or south america or something like that and they'll add glyphs to support their language or Mm something you know you can make all sorts of proposals unicode it grows every year um and one of the proposals that i guess was pretty far along was the rifle and Mm -hmm. some point last year apple said we are not going to implement this whether it passes or not we're not going to implement it and as soon as apple said that it was dropped
0: yeah. Was it Apple uniquely? I, I don't think. Or was I, it like Apple and Google and Microsoft are like, no, nah, we're been. not going to do it. I, it they might or not maybe have Apple been. said it first and, and then right. everybody was like, yeah, you know what? We don't need this. Right. Uh, I'll have to look that up. <laughs> yeah. But I, th- yeah. I, th- yeah. I think you're right. right. I, I, certainly all the articles i read said right. it was Apple. But uh, I don't know if it was just. But Apple like might have, collected. at the
1: very least, might have led the way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That that was my understanding at least, but that could be biased. Uh I'm okay with that. Do we really need a rifle emoji? And look, I'm not a, a you know, just to expose myself, I'm clearly not a gun advocate. Uh, but I do understand like why you made you know, th- there's a lot of really sensible and, and responsible gun owners out there. I don't think we need an emoji. <laughs> it's, no. It's kind of where it, where it goes to, you know? And one of the things that really bugged me about the pistol was like this smiley face with a with the pistol next to itself, like for the, for suicide. Yeah. That's not cool. That's not funny. No. Uh, that's like a real, I mean, that happens a lot. There's what? 30,000 guns deaths in the U S each year, something like that. And a Sorry. lot of those are suicides. It's I think not, that, I think it's suicide is the most common. Or, well, yeah. it's very, very close. Well, yeah. Almost certain it's the most common. Yeah. And I understand that these are goofy little things and you're cracking a joke. And you can do die in a fire. Casey List does this all the time. Die, like he's got like the little the, the skull face in a fire. Right. And I'm like, that's horrible. <laughs> that is a horrible notion. Why would you? I understand it's a phrase and then I. I'd look the other way, but since we're bringing up the topic, man, that's, that's
1: harsh. Uh, the suicide one is interesting and I'm, I'm talking from memory here, so I might be wrong, but I'm very, very close to certain that I am correct here that, um, it is a leading form of suicide or maybe the, and it's especially for men, men overwhelmingly choose to, if they choose to often choose to use, um, the the firearms and, in countries where firearms have – Australia is the great example because Australia used to have a gun culture very similar to the U.S. in terms of guns, you know, per population. And after yeah. a mass –
0: back, like yeah. cowboy culture. Like yeah. Literally, like very much the same kind of thing. Yeah.
1: And after a mass shooting, uh, terrible mass shooting, I think in 1997, um, they legislated – they did like a massive gun buyback where the government just bought back – literally millions of guns. I don't know what they did with them. I don't know if they destroyed them or they destroyed whatever. Them. Yeah. But it, it's a great in terms of actually studying scientifically the effects of gun ownership, it's a tremendous case study because it used to have lots of guns and now they have very few and, and all sorts of guns are missing. And it's not obviously the suicide rate by firearms did go down, but actually this overall suicide rate went down because guns are a particularly easy way to to do it. I mean, I don't want to get too, too dark here, but yeah. yeah.
0: But I mean, if you're but drunk and having it, a bad it, day and you have access to something that, right, that, you know, is going to do the job, you
1: know, it doesn't hold water to say that if you ban guns, that suicide will stay the same because people who want to kill themselves will just find another way. It's actually, there is statistical proof yeah. that, I mean, obviously some will, but it's, there's actually, it's, a, it's just too easy. And it's uh, the other, you know, terrible problem with it is that they're very effective. They, they, they work very well, so a higher percentage of suicide attempts that are made with a with a firearm, uh, right? Actually, you end up killing yourself as compared to um, uh, pills. For example, people who try to kill themselves by overdose, there's a tremendous number of them who who survive because they just pass out and somebody finds them and they get medical attention. And it's a lot easier to recover from an overdose than it is to a a, a gunshot.
0: Yeah. Well, turns out a device made to kill things is good at killing things. Yeah. I, I, I'm not to be too. Uh, man, right. you're going to get some hate mail. Well, I don't. <laughs> so. letting, I don't see
1: how that's. I don't. I, I don't see how what we're saying is. It shouldn't it, be controversial, right? But I'm yeah. not saying that we should right. ban guns. I'm not. I, no, no, I'm me even Making that. You know, yeah. I'm just saying it's the truth though that if you want to accept the gun culture that we have, it's going to result in higher suicides and and much more effective. Uh,
0: yeah argument yeah. solve. and and frank i mean obviously yeah i do advocate for some kind of change but i i'm i'm not like nobody should have any guns in Here, canada we have a lot of guns we don't have the same kind of crazy gun culture so my, that you know you can do it just what the current state of the u.s gun laws is kind of bananas so.
1: I, I am kind of fascinated by emoji um
0: yeah. I, at first, when they first, <laughs> thank, thank you for getting us off. The well, topic.
1: when they first <laughs> became a thing, I, I, you know, I was a little skeptical. I mean, that's, I think anybody who knows my style can tell I'm a little, uh, uh you know, I don't go for frivolous things. I was never a fan. I've never really made a very extensive use of, um, like ASCII smileys, you know, like colon dash yeah. parentheses to make a smiley. Yeah.
0: And that even in text messages to me, you don't do that. Right. And I used to Maybe maybe an aubergine every now and then. (laughs) So I was never
1: big on smileys. And the first, the the way that emoji sort of crept up on me was like with iMessage or what iChat, I guess it used to be called at the time, was I think by default, it would automatically turn certain character sequences into smileys. And -hmm. this was before we called them emoji and there was a limited set. I think that the set character set came from AIM, actually. Like, It was like an AOL instant messenger thing, but different character sequences would turn into different smileys. And I turned that off. Um, But there, you know, you'd run into them accidentally. Sometimes there were certain character sequences that you, like if you were, I don't know if you were pasting like source code or something like that to somebody, you know, the semicolon and a thing would somehow turn into a a smiley and it wouldn't make any sense. Um, But once the, you know, the full emoji set, I sort of, you know, I'm sort of fascinated because I feel like people are expressing themselves in a way like I, it must be like a field day to be like a linguistic researcher to study this because people yeah. take to them naturally, you know, and you mentioned Casey Liss, you know, who, who's, you know, like, uh, yeah, <laughs> Oh
0: idiot. Right. I mean, he's a very nice guy. I don't but want he's to
1: barely be like in, in written English. He's barely literate. <laughs> I mean he is he is very you know it's very tough to make any heads or tails out of his writing in English prose, but he can express himself fluently in emoji. that's true. that is the most true thing anybody's ever said about poor gayliness yeah. and I think it's fascinating people who are good at it, and I use them i I like it it's there's certain ones that are very fun um uh, uh, I do think though, I think it's interesting, and I think that it is a form of real communication. And it conveys emotion much better than prose, especially in very short form. I mean, it's no surprise that they get mostly
0: used in
1: text messages. In
0: short form... Text messages and Twitter kind of thing, or,
1: yeah. Right. And, you know, you can convey things like, uh, you know, if somebody says, hey, I got the job, you know, they've been, uh, you know, trying to get a job at a place and they got it, and you send them the two beers clinking emoji, Mm -hmm. it's a very, very... Quick and efficient way of saying, uh, "Hey, congratulations!" And maybe, "Hey, let's meet up and you know have a beer and celebrate." You can convey that
0: with yeah, one character: congratulations and celebration, like all right, all in one. Yeah, you know? yeah. But there, I totally is, agree with you. There yeah.
1: is, to me, although, even though I think it's, I do think it's a serious form of expression. To me, they are inherently frivolous, and that to me is where, yeah. to me, taking out the the realistic pistol. Is to me okay because I think that there is an inherent frivolousness to emoji, and that they're best used for. And if you look at them, most of them, overwhelmingly, they're um, they're mostly like expressing things that are either completely innocuous, like uh, strawberry, or yeah. you know, it's or things- like
0: surfing, right? Or some weird random like. The, the woman
1: dancing or yeah it it's which
0: is a little weird cuz well they're they're finally expanding their female representation right but it, yeah it's all happy and good and uh, like a rifle and a uh, you know like a right. pistol it's
1: an they're ill-suited not, it's an ill-suited language for expressing
0: uh a, a negative th- things in my opinion i i agree now that could just be because culturally I I haven't grown up with guns and guns are not a thing in my life. Maybe, maybe a goofy pistol is funny and maybe, and this is like, maybe we're now doing the thing where, uh, eventually people look back at like Looney Tunes and like, Oh man, (laughs) we, I know. Yeah. We got to cut a lot of these scenes, (laughs) right? Uh, which I hated by the way, but, I mean, we don't need a pistol. Pistol. We got a water pistol's fine. Whatever you want to express with a, as a joke, with a pistol, you can you can express with a water pistol.
1: They had a, I loved the Looney Tunes. Looney Tunes. Me too. That my, was
0: some horrible stuff. But they had
1: an entire character. Yosemite Sam. The entire basis of his character was that.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yes. He was so gun crazy that he had two guns. Like one gun wasn't enough yeah. for Yosemite Sam.
0: Man, I love that guy. Yeah. And Wally Coyote Coyote died in like every way possible. Yeah. That was horrible. Who was your favorite? Who's your favorite Lumit? Oh, um I'm blanking. Uh uh
1: the giant chicken. Foghorn Leghorn.
0: Foghorn <laughs> Leghorn. This is why
1: this is why we're Foghorn friends.
0: Foghorn Leghorn is exact thank you. I forgot this his is, name.
1: This is why we're friends. He was my absolute favorite.
0: He is <laughs> I swear to God, like a year ago, maybe two years ago, I can't remember. I spent an entire night just watching Foghorn Leghorn on YouTube. I was like, this is, he's the best. <laughs> why the hell was he's he so the, big? <laughs> I don't know why he's so big. He was like I seven have, feet no, tall. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> I love that he's like a total asshole to like the dog that's tied up. Like the dog that's basically, I guess, meant to right. like, you guard everything. It's tied up, and all he does is, like, he wakes up in the morning, and he goes, and he stands just outside the line of where the dog's leash <laughs> lets him go. And he just baits the dog into charging at him and then laughs. <laughs>, <It's> like, <laughs> he's, he's such a asshole. <laughs> he is. I <laughs> always love Foghorn Leghorn. He was definitely he's my the favorite. best, yeah. And uh, Chicken Hawk, who the uh, they, they added later, was, like, teeny tiny. Yeah, yeah but he was like this like uh, you know like rough like he always wanted to get in a scrap kind of guy. Oh, I was so good. The other thing about the dog was that the dog was a worthy adversary. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't a dummy. He was just tied up half the time. Like what are you going to do?
1: Yeah. Apparently his name his name was just barnyard dog, but it was spelled <laughs> D A
0: W G. Dog. Yeah. Oh, it's because of the southern drawl. Yeah. Barnyard dog. Yeah, that Dude. was the other thing. I mean, just fucking like voice was hilarious, <laughs> and the dog sometimes just, got him like back. his delivery, like oh god, he was got oh yeah yeah yeah. Not even sometimes like it it yeah. It seemed like a fair fight to me.
1: Yeah, as opposed to like uh, the Roadrunner and and the uh, Coyote. Yeah, which yeah, was good Wiley too.
0: Coyote is a bit of a tragic, right? You know, he's he's kind of a tragedy though, <laughs> right? But the roadrunner would never do anything mean to him. I don't. No, he did it. He it, always it was more did it. Only. Like it would just backfire. You know. Right. Yeah. Did you ever read
1: the rules? There were the 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 written rules of uh, the the uh, the the roadrunner. Oh, I think he did years ago. I'll have to put it. I'll put it in the show notes. But the rules are brilliant, and it was it was almost like like writing the script for a, a roadrunner coyote. Uh, short was almost like a logic puzzle because you had to follow this very, very specific list of rules. Like, and one of them, there are things that I never even really thought of was that one of them is that the road runner never leaves the road no matter Ooh, what happens because, cool. yeah. because he's a road runner. Yeah. So, <laughs> everything that ever happened in all of those coyote, Wily coyote roadrunner shorts, he never once left the road.
0: That I hadn't even noticed that. That's cool. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that's great. It's like, a, well, it's like the cartoon version of Asimov's Three Rules, Three Robots. Yes. You, like, you set up a structure, and then you debug it, basically, yeah. by, like, like your story is, like, well, see how this went wrong?
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think one of the rules <laughs> yeah. is that every bad thing that happens to the coyote has to be his own doing.
0: I would totally believe, yeah, it seems that, I mean, that's what I took away from it. So, <laughs> because, and he's... Not even a bad guy, really. Well, I guess he does want to eat the Roadrunner, but I think he's just hungry. He's hungry. Yeah, I'm sorry. He's got to eat something. I don't, what is, I don't, yeah. And he falls off cliffs and gets blown (laughs) up. It's like horrible. The things that happen to him are the worst. Like he falls off a cliff and then a giant boulder falls on him. It's like as if that wasn't enough. (laughs)
1: uh let me take a break and thank our first sponsor it's our good friends at casper casper is an obsessively engineered mattress and they sell them at shockingly fair prices go to casper.com slash the talk show and just uh i think you automatically get it by going to that url but the code is the talk show and you will save 50 bucks towards your mattress casper created one perfect mattress they they don't have to choose like what type of uh foam you want, what type of springs you want. They've got one. They they spent years. They spent a lot of money. They really do. They have like engineers who who just went into what is the perfect default mattress. It is a they they ended up with a combination of springy latex and supportive memory foam for a sleep surface with just the right sink, just the right bounce. So you don't have to choose. Who wants to it's like you don't have to get like one of those six keycap testers for six types of mattresses from Casper. They've got one type. Exactly what you want. It's not like buying one of these mechanical keyboards. One type of mattress, you just pick the size, and because they make them and they, they manufacture them right here in uh, in the United States, they make them and sell them directly to you. There is this is how they they get away with charging uh, in a lot of comparisons half the price of a premium mattress that you would buy at a mattress store. Um, most premium mattresses start at over fifteen hundred bucks. Casper's start at just 500 bucks for twin. And they go up to just 950 for a king, 850 for a queen. And they're made right here in America. There's a cool thing too. If you live in New York city, I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of this, but if you live in New York city, they deliver them to you on a bicycle. There's just, I mean, it is a big box to be carrying around on your back on a bicycle, but you can get like same day delivery in Manhattan, maybe elsewhere in New York, uh, which is kind of amazing. Uh, they show up in your house in these ridiculously small boxes, big box, like probably the biggest box you'll get all year delivered to your house. But considering that it contains a mattress, it's remarkably small, simple instructions on the box, bring it up to the room, the bedroom, where you're going to put it, open the box the right way. And it just sucks all the oxygen out of the room. And uh, next thing you know, you got a full size mattress. They have, and this is the whole key to buying a mattress without trying it in a store or or just taking, you know, the word for me. John Q podcaster that these are good mattresses and they are very good mattresses, Um, but they have a hundred night home trial. So you buy it, open it up, sleep on it for three months. And if you don't love it, you just go on the web, go back and, and with no questions asked, no hard sell, they don't like make you sit there and, and, and try to convince you to keep it. They'll just say, okay. And they'll come and pick it up and you get your money back. So can't lose. It is the easiest way to buy a mattress and you get, a terrific mattress. So go to casper.com slash the talk show. And remember that code, the talk show, and you will save 50 bucks on their already amazing prices.
0: So this is honestly not part of the pitch, but, uh, they, uh, they started selling dog beds. Recently. Is that true? I did not yeah, know that. I hope they're not mad at you because no. I'm muddying the, the water or something, but yeah, they started selling but dog beds and that seems pretty cool to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a you know, idea. similar kind of technology and, you know, like a good cover so the dog doesn't just eat the, the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Your dog's got to sleep somewhere. Yeah, man's supposed to sleep on the best.
1: Yeah. Huh? Uh, anything else on the, you don't want to go back to the emoji, do you? I think we covered
0: it. Uh. Yeah, no. Oh, the second point was that uh, the uh, inter-OS operability. yeah. Uh, yeah, we talked about that before, but we would talk about a smiley face, yeah. well, like the one with the teeth. Yeah. App- uh, Apple has a, a, there's a, it's like gr- grimacing
1: face, grinning grinning face that care. looks almost exactly like their grimacing face, except the eyes are different. And, on other platforms, the grinning face is clearly somebody who is happy, whereas the Apple one really looks like somebody who is grimacing for whatever reason. You know? Yeah.
0: Like, like if I pick it out, I pick it out because it looks like you're stuck in your teeth. like Yeah, like like the face. Bad, the you face know, like,
1: you would make if you just talked bad about somebody and you found out they're standing right behind you.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh but that it's you know, different platforms render them in different ways. So that right. that sucks. So yeah. The water pistol doesn't convey the same notion, and the other, but I, it's it's fine. I think it'll all get sorted out. I think the, that, other, the other thing is, uh, man, poor Microsoft. Those guys, they had the right idea. They had right. a ray gun, right? And now they changed it to a pistol the day that Apple changed, right? It to like a water pistol.
1: I <laughs> actually think, and the worst part about that, not only did they change it the wrong way, or at least to keep up with Apple. To, to me,
0: yeah, yeah. To to our tastes, well,
1: and not just to our taste, but it is true that the iPhone is so singularly uh,
0: oh dominant, popular, control, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. That that Apple, what Apple does, you know, their 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 user base is, you know, arguably the leading, at least in Western, the Western world, is the leading um, users of emoji. So it really does matter disproportionately what Apple does. Yeah, I I agree with that. Right, yeah. I mean, for as big and for as many, you know, tens of hundreds of millions of people who are using Windows and sending emoji on them. Uh, there's more people using iOS devices.
0: Oh yeah, and
1: Android sure. is splintered yeah. because yeah. you know, like Samsung has their own set. Uh, you know, different different Android makers have their own sets of emoji. They don't all just use the default Google ones. So even though there might be more users right. yeah. uh, of Android in you know, quote unquote, Android, there's Android is so splintered that it's, there's no single um,
0: uh, base the way that iOS does. Right. Uh, Android, Android splintering is not helping, not helping in like pick, pick a metric, like pick some avenue that you want to talk about. And like uh, almost always it's like, oh yeah, but Android is not one thing. It's just
1: right. It's the that's the best way yeah. to think about it though. If you stop thinking about it as though it is one thing, it's it's you know it, yeah. it makes more sense. Yeah. I do think I also think I personally I think Microsoft had a better idea, yeah, going with a ray gun than a water gun because I think a water <laughs> yeah. gun. I, I think ninety some percent of cases it won't make much difference, but a water gun is a little bit so more specific where you could combine it with like the splashing water drops. Yeah. Right. And then that won't make any sense at all with other platforms. Whereas if you went with the ray gun, I don't really think there's any context where you could use it with other emoji where it changes things that much.
0: Yeah. It just no, sort of
1: puts a more frivolous spin on the idea of a of a pistol.
0: Yeah. I I agree. And I you know what? I'm going to say I do know. But I'm not sure if I know because I'm pretty sure I saw it. But the uh the water pistol emoji used to be flipped the other way. Yeah, and and apparently internally there was like some... before they shipped it it yeah. was like going the other way. So which would have really broken everything.
1: Yeah, because it would matter if you were saying you you want to shoot
0: shoot to the left or shoot right. to the right. Right. Like, and you're putting yeah. an emoji that's what you want to shoot, you know. Yeah. And I kind of I kind of like the fact that they made it the other way. Just cuz it literally it breaks any of that, like you are shooting at the wrong thing. And b- b- that's a very personal political thing. Yeah. Uh, I think it is smarter that they probably flipped it back to the left at this yeah. point. So, so it at least faces the same way as all the other pistols. And the, uh, I think, I think Craig, I think Craig Hockenberry pointed this out is that the emoji, uh, the emoji, the, the Unicode spec specifically mentions that it should be, Pointing one way. Yeah, I think it does. Yeah, um, we could say this a bit. Craig knows more about oh yeah
1: emoji <laughs> than we'll ever know because the Icon Factory has done the emoji sets for I think a couple of companies.
0: Uh, yeah, big um, companies. Big yeah, companies, big companies that everybody knows. Um,
1: yeah. so they've done a lot of you know, as you might expect from a co- company. whose entire name is based on. <laughs> Drawing icons, Icon they, have, three, yeah. they have drawn a lot of emoji. Yeah, exactly. So, turns and, out, yeah. and Craig, while he's not drawing the emoji, is obviously the point person on making sure that all
0: the uh, yeah uh,
1: hexadecimal code points
0: and etc are. okay. Yeah, by. well, he made his own internal awesome tool to. Of course make, he did. To make those fonts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. Of course he did. Because he's they're done. fonts, right? right? Like it's yes. still a font. So yeah, so he made an awesome tool for it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um. All right, moving on. Uh, what else can we talk about? How about did you read the um, uh, the Stephen Levy piece for Backchannel with a profile of Apple's uh, AI and, and "quote unquote" machine learning work?
0: I did a little bit. Yeah, I I, I read it. I haven't read all of the subsequent follow-ups of like yeah. trying to frame it in different ways. You know. So the the yeah.
1: gist of it is that Stephen Levy. Um, uh, I think it's Levy. I don't know
0: if it's Levy. Stephen Levy. I know him. Yeah. I should know. I should not know. The <laughs> you should know yeah. Uh, yeah. His, also, n- seems like a smart guy to me. He's, oh. been the, he's been in the racket forever. So
1: right. Yeah. Uh, has written some great, great books, including yeah. uh, what was the name of the iPod book? The iPod book was amazing.
0: Oh yeah. It was
1: like uh, uh, I'm blanking. Perfect.
0: I'm horrible in names, but yeah.
1: Uh, he's written books. He has written about cryptography. He is, you know. Um uh,
0: again he's smart guy's been around for right the, mean, it, the, uh, the 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 I the As long as I've been following this stuff, he's been a go to like yeah. a name worth trusting.
1: Yeah. Uh the iPod book was called The Perfect Thing. Oh, cool.
0: Man, that's a good name.
1: Yeah, really it was. Um So he was somehow obtained, you know, whether it was offered to him or whether it was him asking, but it was probably a combination of the two through Apple PR was granted, uh, exclusive access to Apple's executive leadership in turn uh, on, on, uh, AI and machine learning and Siri, uh, which is Eddie Q and Craig Federighi, of course. Um, and then two other guys who, uh, one of them's name is, I do remember is (laughs) Tom Gruber. (laughs) <laughs> which is uh just for the record no, no relation no relation um and another guy whose name i, I escapes me but he's like in charge of the voice it's like stuff. bob english i think N-
0: uh alex joking, Asiro. oh
1: alex i got Asirit. you
0: okay. i missed yeah. your joke cuz <laughs> i was looking for his name yeah, it's bob too funny too funny for anybody to notice alex acero uh he's in
1: charge of voice recognition um I saw people complain that this was a quote unquote. A lot of people say it's a PR puff piece. I saw the words "PR puff piece" at least I I don't know twenty times in response to this. And of course, there's a certain truth to that in terms of it's not like Stephen Levy got free access for a year to just be a fly on the wall and watch the team work. He, you know, (laughs) he not going to happen. He got like one day of access to what Apple. Had planned as almost you know like a presentation of here 's what we will reveal to you and talk to you about, and so of course, what Apple revealed and talked to about was meant to you know make Apple look good right there's no other way around it, but I mean the alternative is that Stephen levy declines to take to to do the story, and I feel like the world is a worse place I'm not saying that this is inaccurate, you know that it's not a a slanted Look at it. It's obviously what Apple was willing to reveal, but it's there's a lot of interesting stuff in the, in the article, I thought. Uh, yeah, I I
0: agree with you. There's a difference between being uh, like a minion and reporting and letting everybody know the circumstances under which you sort of got the information or you had the conversations, right? You know what I mean? It's not like I I think there's a false equivalence between Um, I'm very carefully trying to pick my words here, but between sort of uh, like a press that is very politically aligned and a press that uh, gets some kind of access and lets you know they had that kind of access and then tells you what, was said right it's
1: the, like, the context it's, of the access yeah. is right there in the story and you can you yeah. can judge it you know be a
0: critical reader and judge it for what you will exactly yeah oh i mean that's the baseline always be a critical leader but i don't know there, especially with this current political cycle going on in in, in the u.s like uh gauging like gauging the press is like no <laughs> it's not always easy but you shouldn't just throw everybody in one bucket and be like well i don't believe anything that anybody says yeah and i i he's very upfront and i, I think he makes it very clear exactly what the context was right. and that that's that's what you need is a as a as an intelligent critical reader to, to sort of make your
1: own decision. Right. And it's not like if you read it and I read it I read it very thoroughly, but it's not like Stephen Levy was trying to make the argument that Siri is no. uh, yeah. perfect or even great or ahead, you know, far ahead of the competition. Apple might be making that argument, but and and he might, you know, quote them saying it, but he's not. You know like yeah. again, Stephen levy has been around the block before I mean he's and he he's very very well sourced at Google uh, in particular um so he's you know and, and also Stephen levy is the type of guy who writes stuff that really stands up over time like the value of this article might be better ten fifteen twenty years from now than it is today in terms of looking at either where things went wrong for Apple or where th- you know the beginning of where things went right in their AI and you know. Yeah, it's it's written for the long term.
0: Yeah, and you write about it. He he wrote in the Plex like a yep a, a book about. And if anybody is looking for a book to read on a hot summer day uh, in the Plex, is definitely worth reading.
1: Right, that's his uh,
0: his look inside. It, his Google. He's look inside Google with yeah. extensive and long term access that he was. Oh writing. yeah, like it's yeah. like years years worth of reporting in that like that's hard work and he did it so this interview or piece uh carries all the more weight because he's familiar with both companies you know right
1: and i think among people who like you know read our read our stuff listen to our shows you know people who are listening to us talk right now i feel like hey is siri good bad mixed bag whatever is probably one of the most contentious you know i worry a lot i do that 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 me in particular and, and, you know, the type of people I have on the show, that we're all just preaching to the choir and that we agree on, on so much of what's going on that what's, you know, what's the point? Yeah. I feel like that Siri and Apple's machine learning efforts and stuff like that is a great point where there's – I know that there are people listening right now who think Siri is a big pile of dog shit. Yeah. Um, and those are, I think some of the people who are most frustrated with this article and think that it's a quote unquote PR puff piece. Cause how can this article keep going on and on and not say that Syria is garbage because they, for whatever reason, they think Syria is garbage, which I disagree with. Well, there's two
0: things here. It's like, uh, I don't, I don't think you can just unequivocally say that. Like that's, that's a value judgment, right? right. It's, it's up to everybody else. Uh, which, man, that sounds like wishy washy. Because, yeah, it could be garbage. But it's not. It, you know, it's in the field. It works. I think people use it all the time. It's in everything from the watch to now the Mac. Or soon the Mac, it's in beta. Uh, the Apple TV, all the iOS stuff. Working pretty well. Now, does it answer everything perfectly? No. Uh, but i think it's more audacious like it, it has it the aspirational goal is is higher than i think something like the the amazon echo yeah. is which is what it often gets compared to or you know what i don't hear a lot about now is google google now i just read a story that people that the, google made a change
1: in a rec, uh, somehow recently and and made i don't know something that they changed in google now it has a lot of people upset I don't hear as much about that, and I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's because I yeah. don't read enough Android stuff, or
0: maybe we should talk to Rene. But yeah, uh, well, here is uh, what the, I think. I Renee do f- this.
1: This goes unsaid in this article, but I do feel that the disadvantage that Google has with now, and you know, this might change coming up later this year because they pre-announced their their Echo-like device, the little home, you know, the home speaker system. Yeah, but it is it. This whole AI bot assistant type thing, it uh, it makes intuitive sense. This is not a, a, a very profound observation, but as we mm-hmm. go on and we live with these things, it's shown to be more and more true is it can't be part of an app. It has to be part of the system on the device.
0: Yeah. You have yeah, to be able I to think- say,
1: hey, dingus to your thing. It's like going to open the Google app on your iPhone first and then speaking into it. You've already, it, it, it. You know, what's the point? The whole point of the voice-driven interface is that you don't have to fish an app out.
0: Yeah, I'm coming to think that maybe apps are, uh, I don't know, not a dead end, but it's like... Uh, it's not a path for this sort of voice. It's not a, certainly not a path for this kind of thing. Right. And we've had it for, what, 30 years now?
1: Well, we've envisioned you
0: know, it since 1968 with Hal. Yeah. Oh. Right. Oh. Oh. Sorry. You mean the? I just mean apps. Uh, <laughs> oh, apps. Like, I'm like, you know, maybe apps are like, maybe but, that's that right. shouldn't be the focus, you know, and not necessarily do the open doc thing. Right. But, like, but when when people talk, yeah, of, we are totally right with Hal. It's like it's Hal just, doesn't run apps. Right. You don't ask Hal to like Hal launch the PodBay Door app. Right. Or or and then launch like, the Hal
1: app and then talk to Hal. No, it's just yeah, he's just there. Right. Um.
0: I, you know, that I, stupid pod bay app should have been updated yeah, before exactly. before they went off to Jupiter. They it's, really should have like updated that sucker.
1: <laughs> um, I, but you know, I, I'll just read an example here's a, uh, in my tweet, in my Twitter replies to me. I'm, not, I won't call the guy out because I think, he, you know, he's not asking to be called out, it's not rude, but it's there's a guy who sent me a tweet. What's Gruber? What's with Apple doing a press victory lab? lap, I think he meant, about how great they think Syria is. It's laughably poor compared to er anything else. Um, Mm -hmm. I I really disagree with that. I think there are clearly areas where, uh, you know, I I think what's interesting about this is that the the big players in this are all better. They have, they have different strengths and weaknesses.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which makes it cool, right? Right. In in a, I keep I know, going back
1: but, yeah. to I keep going back to a couple of examples. I have an Amazon Echo, you know, here in, in the kitchen, and I barely use it. But I think I'd use it more if we had more of the home automation stuff that you can hook up to it, like yeah. turning the lights on and stuff.
0: But did you, did you buy that, or did you? No, I bought it somehow. It. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, sorry, that's a weird question, but I'm I'm trying to gauge your engagement with it. I guess. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. But for example, yeah. you if you ask the the Echo or an Alexa anything about the weather, all you get is the exact same canned weather report for where you are. So if mm-hmm. you say, um, <laughs> "What's what's the weather?" you get you get a weather report with like the expected highs and lows and whether it's going to rain. And if you say, "What is the current temperature?" instead of giving you the temperature, you get the exact same weather report. If you say, "You what's, just
0: can't let temperature go, man."
1: I know you can't just, let it go. It's the,
0: is it in Celsius or Fahrenheit. It's in Fahrenheit. Ah, oh, well. So at least it's you know. On the good side, of although I wonder what would happen if 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 I just said
1: to you know hey dingus uh please, <laughs> please give me the temperature in Celsius instead of Fahrenheit from now on. I wonder if that would work. I'll have to try that um, but i if you ask for the humidity, you get the weather report and it the the weather report doesn't even include the humidity. Yeah, So it understands that you asking about the humidity is you asking about the weather. But the answer is just the same exact word-for-word canned weather report. If you ask Siri those questions, you get the actual answer. If you ask for the temperature, you just get the temperature. If you ask for the weather, you get a full weather report. And I even tried asking for the humidity, and and Siri can tell you the current humidity. So there's an area where I could say unambiguously, Siri is better than Alexa. And on sports is another example where mm-hmm. Alexa can tell you some basic stuff about sports, I think, like scores and stuff like that. But Siri can tell you things like the Vegas betting odds and who's favored in a game. I mean, is that a, yeah, is that a big difference? I mean, for me, it is because I'm a gambling junkie.
0: Yeah, fan. no, I think it is. I mean, because it, <laughs> it, I'm a gambling junkie. <laughs> What's your tweet? I don't drink. I don't gamble. I don't, yeah. My only vice is buying a new iPhone every year
1: (laughs) and that and lying about drinking and gambling. (laughs) That's
0: still the funniest one. (laughs) It's a pretty clever little logical. (laughs) Yeah, like I was like, oh man, I was cracking up when I read that. Um, Yeah, no, I I, I think Siri uh, seems to have a broader area that it aspires to cover. Uh, and perhaps in some place it does it doesn't cover it as well as what the more focused things do, uh, which is interesting because Apple typically narrows things down to the solvable problems, right? Right. Uh, but in the case of Siri, it seems like they've they've gone deep. Like they're. It's interesting because they they also bought. Uh, the company that made Siri. So there, there, there could be a cultural divide a little bit there, which I, I don't know, but it's possible because you would think that Apple would be shipping something like the Echo, which does way less, but when you ask it to do something, does it. Right. And instead, they've got this thing that uh, when you ask it to do something, it will make a best effort to answer any spoken question and give you a, like a good answer. That's, yeah. like, uh, can you wrap your head around how hard that is? It is. I it couldn't do that. Well, I mean, Ask I think me like five of the things that Siri could help you with then and be like, I have no idea. I think
1: I, all of us yeah. who've ever programmed, if, or at least if you started programming as a kid, you know, have written, tried to write like, you know, like a choose your own adventure type, You know, thing. You know, at least in the days when when starting a program meant you were on like a little command line, and you just build up a list of if then statements for (laughs) what the input was. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> right, and that just it doesn't work like you'd have to have like an exact match for every single yes. every single input yeah. And they're, you can they're, do
0: that it's tedious but that's not how Siri works no,
1: at all you no. know? well and they're you know they're very very ambitious about it I mean and they right. even have examples of things that work where in this in this story the Stephen Levy story Eddie Q shows that uh, with integrating with Square Cash where he says send use Square Cash to send Jane $20 and it Siri interprets it and opens Square Cash the Square Cash app, to send his wife $20. And yeah. then he says it differently. He says, shoot $20 to, to my wife. You know, he can call her Jane. He can call her his wife. He can say, send $20. He can say, shoot $20. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, shoot $20 is actually, linguistically, is pretty advanced if it, you know, if that actually, yeah. You know, yeah,
0: I would never say that, but I could see somebody, like, I would understand it if Somebody told me that. I'll be like, "Okay, yeah, I got it. Like send them some money."
1: But- I don't even know how many of those things work. Like I even me as a, a being generally on the, you know, I'm on the positive end of the spectrum of where I think Siri is. I and I know that a lot of people aren't, but I am. I'm a fan and I think they're doing well. Even I might be underestimating. Like I wonder if you can like <laughs> tell Siri like to get my wife on the horn.
0: Like would it know that you mean want to oh, make that's, a phone call? Yeah, song? that's like that's like trap John and Mash.
1: Because you know, I would never like, think to yeah. I would never think to try that with a computer. Oh well, no. My dad says that all the time. My dad probably says get somebody on the horn more than he even says I talk to him on
0: the phone. I love that expression. <laughs> I really love that expression. That's old school. You would like my dad. I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I <It> should, <come, laughs> should come. to a family gathering. Exactly. But yeah. No. Like. Yeah. That is awesome. Especially the like because it it. It evokes the old-school headsets, right, where you have to pick it up and, like, there's no buttons on it. It's just a horn that you kind of stick to your head. (laughs) All right. why?
1: Here's the big question I have is why does this article exist? Why did Apple uh, agree to to give Levy access to write this article?
0: I don't know. They seem to have been on a PR blitz recently.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's definitely, you know, big-picture answer is this is part of the new, more open Tim Cook's Apple. This is part of the Apple where Craig Federighi and Phil Schiller go on this show. And Craig Federighi goes deep on stage in front of a live audience on the differential privacy, which is a big part of the same story. Oh, yeah. No, Uh, no.
0: Yeah. The differential privacy is a huge part of this AI learning thing. Uh, I don't know. Old
1: Apple. But old Apple not only wouldn't show up on Joe Random podcast and talk about it in front of a live audience
0: they wouldn't talk about no, differential privacy not, okay, period well, right at okay, this w- point you're not your random podcast
1: i know it's, i know it's, but it's okay. they wouldn't have gone on my podcast six seven eight years ago and yeah, talked about this right. and they wouldn't yeah. have talked in detail about how it worked you know that they they didn't talk about how some of how anything worked
0: really. right right that would have just been part no. of the black box yes no they would never talk about that that I, shocked me actually like you're you're not in a bad way. I was happy for you, but like the access that you got was like Ooh, that's pretty surprising.
1: It's know? definitely, but maybe it shouldn't yeah. be. You know, and I think that the fact that they're talking to Stephen Levy shouldn't be surprising. Um, I think like, that one of the aspects of Tim Cook's Apple, the new Open Apple, um, that is different from Steve Jobs's old Apple, isn't just that they're open for the sake of openness. I think it is very specific and I think it is that they they wish to be better understood as a company and when they perceive that they are being misunderstood or that the the conventional wisdom about X within Apple is wrong they want to do what they can to correct that <laughs> whereas I feel like with jobs it was like if I, I really do I mean this is a little flippant but I really think that with we under Steve Jobs, it was like, well, everybody thinks we're blank, but we're not. And hes I think Jobs' attitude was, well, screw him. I don't care. Who gives <laughs> a, you know who gives a crap if they understand <laughs> yeah.
0: us or not? Or maybe yeah. it's even better if we're misunderstood because, you know. Nobody's going to see us coming. Right. If everybody wants to treat us like the dummy. Well, right. we'll just take we'll you to Yeah, we'll yeah. show them. Yeah. Uh, whereas I feel like Apple, Tim Cook's Apple
1: is frustrated by being misunderstood and seeks to correct it. And in this case, I believe that they are uh, frustrated with the conventional wisdom that Apple doesn't get AI may not even care about it. And that they are that the, while the rest of the industry uh, led by Facebook and Google and perhaps Microsoft are racing ahead on this stuff. Apple is going to be left behind with you know pieces of glass that you touch, whereas everybody else is moving towards these AI bots. And I think Apple is saying, "No, we are deadly serious. We are different. We are different in two two big regards, which I'll uh, pr- I'll get to. But we are deadly serious about this, and we think we're doing pretty well." Yeah, and I agree with and that, and I feel I like they want it. to color yeah. that. Yeah. So here's a here's, um, a here's a paragraph from this story. I don't want to okay. cut you off, but. Um, one of the differences between Apple and other companies here, here's a I'll read from Levy. Though Federighi doesn't say that this approach might be a necessity, Apple's penchant for secrecy puts it at a disadvantage against competitors who encourage their star computer scientists to widely share research with the world. Quote, our practices tend to – this is Federighi talking – our practices tend to reinforce a natural selection bias. Those who are interested in working as a team to deliver a great product versus those whose primary motivation is publishing. Uh, so back to Stephen Levy. If while improving an Apple product, scientists, products, product scientists happen to make breakthroughs in the field, that's great. But says Eddie Q. But we are driven by a vision of the end result, and I think that what they're getting at here is that researchers commu- in in the larger community who are largely focused on publishing see Apple as out of it because Apple is nobody from Apple is publishing.
0: Yeah. I think the security area
1: had this at one point too. Yes. Yes, definitely. That okay. Apple was out of the out outside the mainstream on in the security industry. Because they weren't participating in right. the, yeah. And uh, that they don't they didn't answer, you know, you'd send in <laughs> they didn't give they 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 were even they were even dinged for not giving credit to people for when they'd fixed the bugs, you know.
0: Yeah. I uh, which Probably they should have, and they do now.
1: And that's another example yeah. that's changed. The, the head, Apple's head chief engineer for security. Uh, yeah, he's at Black Hat recently. Right. Yeah. And gave a very well regarded talk. Like it, it's been a couple of years since Apple had spoken at Black Hat. And the last time they did, it was sort of panned because it was deemed uh, insufficiently detailed, you know, that it was just sort of painting in broad strokes. Whereas this talk uh, that the guy gave you know, last month at black hat was very detailed about some things. And that's where they introduced the new bug bounty program, you know, mm-hmm.
0: which talked down- about, uh, a, a unencrypted right. kernel and caches. Like right. he, I mean, whatever topic was on the table for Apple security, they, they were, he was on it. He was like, explained yeah. it great. Like these people are brilliant. Like they're in, they're not dummies. Uh, with the proviso that I really do think that like serious academic research is best shared so that it can be uh, checked. Right. Cause that's how science works. You know, uh, I, I kind of agree with the fact that like, say, well, we're going to build something and then we're going to ship it and then you can judge it by its merits. I, I, I appreciate that approach because all of the mistakes and stuff, Along the way, it may be interesting, but it's what you actually get to that, that, that is the—it's the goal, and right. it is the you know it's the thing that everybody should be. All right, and Le- about Levy's rather, article, rather than all the mistakes, you know?
1: Levy's article even mentions that Apple is making an exception to it. The the general, you know, we don't really publish papers about the work we do; we just use it to make great products. They're making an exception yeah. on differential privacy, which they consider yeah. to be such a breakthrough and such a big part of what they're doing that they don't, you know, they're, 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 they are having their research behind it, publish what they're doing because they want everybody else to get on board with it as well. Yeah.
0: It's not just that it's the compression thing that they did last year. It's, uh, they've got so much open source stuff going on, like WebKit's open source, right. Chrome, the OS, did they call it Chrome? What do they call it?
1: Look, there is Chrome OS. I
0: don't, I mean, I don't. Yeah, Chrome OS, Chrome browser. It's all WebKit. Right. It's being hacked a lot. But I mean, that's Apple's stuff. Right. Since 97, 97, Apple has been releasing huge chunks of open source software. Well, Chrome is a perfect example of uh, why
1: some people would argue, you know, against open sourcing stuff because it's, you know, it, it, is it the you know quote-unquote worst case scenario where here's yeah. this thing that Apple did webKit and put all this work into and Google used to be an active participant in in submitting patches to webKit and at a certain point Google and Apple had enough differences on the future of webKit where Google said we're going to fork this and what do they call the new one blink is is what they're, but blink was at you know when it blink started was just a copy and paste of webKit and then it you know when it's, they went their different ways.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the process models wanted to be different, like the, whatever. But so a thing that, you know,
1: but a thing that was an Apple led project, WebKit now serves as the foundation for an entire competing operating system, you know, that, that, and it really does compete against Apple, like in education where, where I think Chrome is, you know, Chromebooks are probably the dominant device in education. Which is the argument that somebody would make against participating, you know, a corporation participating in open source is that, hey, our competitors can take
0: our work and use it against us. And that, you know. Yeah. I think Melton has had, heard both sides of that. Uh, so, Don Melton, a uh, mutual friend, he's been on my show a couple of times. He started WebKit. Uh, and he's told me that it can go either way. Right. Like one one month they're like, What the fuck, man? <laughs> <laughs> Why like these people are just taking our work? And then like another month it's like, Oh, that's brilliant. Good good choice. Right. So I don't I really don't know. It's probably somewhere in the middle. But I mean uh Avi Tvenian and like both the mock kernel. Right. Uh, and he came over with next and Apple has been open sourcing a lot of the OS stuff for years. Like, at this point, 20 years. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's kind of the right thing to do. I think they're making the right choice. It's it's weird because there's a new Apple kind of thing that came in with, you know, like, when Next came in that had a fair amount of academic or academia feeling to it at least. Certainly they were selling into the academic market. Uh I mean they shipped <laughs> they shipped the collective works of Shakespeare for crying out loud. Like nobody wants that on their home computer. <laughs> 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 Unless you're in academia. Um, but I I think that has kind of permeated the, the culture to a certain extent. Uh but what they don't do is share user-facing work. Right. Like the, you know, the Windows Server app kit, UI kit. Well none of none it, of that is like open to the public. And that's because that's where their value is. Right. Like and they are right to protect it. Right. And so with Siri, I think that they're putting that in the same bucket. That's that's where they interface with the user. What's Apple good at? What's their value interfacing with the user? Why, you know, why are they gonna write up all the papers about exactly how they do it? Yeah. So one of the things
1: that the the Levy article mentions, and there's even a quote from somebody, is that the people like leading, leading minds in the AI community are like, well, who are the top five, you know, who among the top five brains in AI does Apple have on their staff? And it's, you know, show me, and there's a lot of skepticism. Um, one of the inter- to me, one of the interesting things was that uh, Federighi said that uh, a lot of their people who are doing this machine learning don't really come from the AI background. Here's the quote: "We hire people who are very smart in fundamental domains of mathematics, statistics, programming languages, cryptography. It turns out a lot of these kinds of core talents translate beautifully to machine learning. So it's people, you know, that and uh, you know, if you're smart and you're a good programmer, you could be, you can do all sorts of things, right? Like, yeah. you know." I know a guy who, you know, used to do a lot of graphics programming for games. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, and then he, you know, does other things as well. That was seems, seems like a cool guy. Right. But so yeah, I think you would agree with me that uh you know, firsthand that, you know, you you can come at, you can enter a new field in programming and and be good at it, get up to speed just because it's a, a lot of this stuff it it doesn't have to be its own
0: domain. Yes, I agree. Uh I think and i really cuz i actually really do agree with you but i'm going to do the devil's advocate thing uh i think the idea is that the back end uh knowledge and the way to structure a machine learning from a, a system uh accepting input from billions of sources and then kind of learning from that is uh not knowledge that is internal to Apple at this point. And I think that's the argument. I don't know if it's true. And I do know that this uh, differential privacy thing, um, yeah. probably going to make it harder. And I like that. It's going to make it harder because they're trying to like, they're, they're prioritizing privacy. Yeah. I
1: think, good, right? and that's, but, I think that yeah. secondarily, I think that is one of the reasons Apple wanted this, you know, participated yeah. in this article. Is that they want to push back hard on the notion that the one way to do this machine learning uh, style features, you know, that are exposed to end users is by collecting tons of data and doing it all server side. That you can, you know, Apple is that this is one way that Apple is clearly going against the way that Facebook and Google work. But of course that's the way Facebook and Google work is because they are fundamentally server side companies. Right. Yeah. And Apple is fundamentally a device company, but Apple is effectively doing a lot of this stuff in parallel by having each and every individual device do the work. And, You know, explicit in the article with Levy, where a lot of this data is staying on the device, and therefore all of the, the, you know, AI-style analysis of it is doing it on the device. So, like, the
0: face detection in the photos
1: happens on the device.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the obvious assumption is that if you had a personal assistant that could do everything that uh, Siri or, like, the the ultimate version of Siri, like the, the, the best personal assistant you could ever have. Obviously, they're going to know everything about you because they need to in right. order to do their job. And that's true for a person, but I don't know if that needs to be true for a, a, like a system or like an, a, like an artificial intelligence. Right. Uh, it seems like the, the way to go... Just because we can rationalize about that. It's like, okay, well, if I tell this person every little detail, yep. they can, you know, h- try to help me. Uh, but I don't, I don't know if that's the only way. There, Like, there's probably, honestly, there's probably some hardcore mathematical proof that you could, <laughs> that you could work out this, right? Like, you could throw information at a thing that that is uh, obscured in some way, and it could come back with answers that are, like, incredibly accurate. But they still can't reason about you as a whole, which is where I think Apple's trying to go. Yeah. And, you know, where skating to where the puck is
1: going. I mean, it's not like Apple's going to s- stick with the A9 system on a chip and that there's not going to be an A10, an A11, an A12, and that these chips aren't going to keep getting faster and faster and faster I mean five six years from now we're going to have iPhones that make the current iPhones look like you know a, a joke in terms of yeah. the computational power yeah. and it's just one of those things that the phone is going to have you know it's going to be easier and easier i think to to do advanced computational work yeah.
0: um, unless you needed a headphone jack. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, I don't think I have anything else on this Stephen Levy article. But I don't think it should be dismissed. Yes, read it with a, a, a you know, read it with an open mind and understand that, you know, this is exactly what Apple presented to Stephen Levy. But I think there's a lot of interesting stuff to grok from that. Yes.
0: I totally agree
1: with you. Yeah. Uh all right, let me take a break and thank our next sponsor. It's our good friends, old time time sponsors of the show, Warby Parker. Warby Parker makes buying glasses online easy and risk-free. Go to warbyparker.com slash the talk show and order your free home try-ons today. Warby Parker offers contemporary eyeglasses that are extremely affordable and fashion-forward. They believe glasses should not cost as much as an iPhone. They offer prescription eyeglasses. Prescription eyeglasses at just 95 bucks. And that includes the prescription lenses. They don't upsell you on the coatings and stuff like that, the anti-glare and the anti-scratch. You just get them. You get anything you want. There's no upsell. Last time I bought glasses in a glasses store, it's like you end up spending twice the money from the starting point just to get the coatings that you want on the glasses. Uh, They also have a titanium collection that starts at just $145, including lenses, with premium Japanese titanium and French non-rocking screws. They even sweat the detail down to what type of screws they use. All Warby Parker glasses include the anti-reflective and anti-glare coatings. They also include excellent cases. I really vouch for the case. It's great. Uh, Cleaning cloth, cloth, no extra charge. So whether your eyesight is pretty good or absolutely abysmal, Warby Parker has you covered. You can get eyeglasses, reading glasses, sunglasses, whatever kind of glasses you need. You just go there. You pick like five of the ones that, you, that you're that you interested in out. Uh, give them your address. And uh, like in two days, there's a box at your door, and you try them on at home. Now, they don't have your lenses in yet. They're just, you know, like dummy lenses. You have five pairs. You can try them on. Look in the mirror. Uh, you know, get the people in your family to tell you which ones look good. Uh, pick the one you like, order it. Uh, they'll get it to you within 10 business days, usually even faster. And then they have free return label. You just put the, the samples back in the box, put the return label on and boom, I'll back off to Warby Parker. It goes so it's easy to buy them, easy to shop, no pressure and, uh, couldn't be easier. So go to com slash the talk show. I am, I'm reading this, these notes while I'm wearing a pair of Warby Parker eyeglasses as, as we speak. Very good stuff.
0: You know what? I I need glasses, man. I have glasses, but they look me. They make me look like a serial killer from like the 1980s. They're horrible.
1: (laughs) You've been saying this to me for years, though. We'll be out, and you'll be like, you know, I know. know." know.
0: But I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. And I this is. I feel like I'm pimping your ads a little bit too much. But like Warby Parker is making me be like, oh yeah, I should just actually go on that website and get some glasses.
1: You know what? I would say this about the Warby Parker thing, about them having the low, the these 95 dollar starting point, is that you can buy without feeling, you know, if you go to like a regular eyeglass store and they're like five or $600, you feel like, okay, I'm going to buy a pair of eyeglasses. And then these are my glasses for the next few years with Warby Parker. It is so much easier to buy like two or three pairs and not feel like you're uh, a profligate. And you can either buy two or three pairs and have them so that they are different. And you can have like, you know, minimal glasses and, and thick black glasses, whatever, different looks, or just to have them laying around so that if you, you know, if they're more like reading glasses, uh, You can keep a pair in the office and keep a pair, you know, downstairs and it, it's, it's so much better at that price. But it used to be like when I was growing up when I first got glasses, it was like, I got one pair of glasses and that was it. And don't break That me.
0: was it. Yeah. Me too. I look like a serial killer I, and I picked them myself and I thought they're like silver and they kind of, they're Yves Saint Laurent, but they kind of like lean in a little bit. Like yeah. I look crazy. I look like I'm going to murder you Yeah. more than usual. And I just, I got to let it go. Like I, but, yeah, so I bought these one pair of glasses. And I can, re, I can do my job fine. But, I mean, distance is, like, I can barely read my TV at this point. <laughs> like, I don't. Like, I guess what shows are on. Like, I guess what the names of shows or, or episodes are based on, like, what's most likely. Which is probably not the, the way <laughs> most people actually read the world. <laughs> I'm like, eh. <laughs> Yeah, this is probably the most likely. <laughs> you should probably get your eyes checked. Yeah, um, a little bit.
1: So Tim Cook has been CEO now for five years, as as of two days ago. He has been the CEO of Apple for five years. So there's a couple of people commemorating that with, you know, what's what are the five years of Tim yeah. Cook like? Um, I think that that was the basis. There was a really long interview with Tim Cook in the Washington Post that I think the yeah, date yeah. was the 13th. So that was about two weeks ago, actually. Uh, not quite sure that that. Was time to be with the five year thing, but might as well be. I will put a link to that interview. Yeah, I think it. so. I
0: like that interview; it's really good.
1: Yeah, it's so long, and I was actually, uh, I was actually uh, on a brief vacation with my folks at the time, and so I actually didn't finish reading it until today, actually, which is why I yeah. haven't linked to it on Daring Fireball. Yeah,
0: you should. It's worth linking.
1: I know, but now I'm two weeks late. But yeah, it's uh, okay. You're always late. Yeah, it's typical for me. <laughs> it was inter- it was very interesting, and it's, it, a lot of it is stuff that I already knew about Tim Cook, but some of it was insightful. And they asked one of the questions they asked yeah. that I've seen people ask about, but nobody asked him was whether or not he thinks that growing up gay in a the U.S. Yep. South in, in Alabama did that make him is that did that fuel his focus on privacy. Right. You know, and that he was... uh, What a great question. It is a great question. It was very well worded. And in short, I don't want to, you know, you should read his article. I don't want to read the whole thing. But uh, in short, he says no. That it's Mm. two separate things. That it. That obviously his upbringing was, you know, everybody's upbringing informs who they are as an adult. But in this particular case on the issue of privacy, he believes um, that it is fundamental to... The United States, and that it's as mm-hmm. much a part of, you know, the founding of this country as freedom of speech and a freedom of religion. That you have a yeah. right to privacy, and that he believes that yeah. so strongly that it has, you know. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe he's,
0: you know, uh, you know. I don't know. I, I don't know. But it was I, I would question. agree with that one hundred percent. Yeah, and, and just to get, oh man, I hate that I am going to do this, but uh, just to get back to the gun rights thing is like, first you should be concerned about privacy. <laughs> because <laughs> then you won't need a gun to protect yourself from whatever the hell you think you're going to protect yourself from. But yeah, no, I, 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 I totally agree with them. And, and for a long time I did, I, I had my own narrative that I'm like, right. well, he's like a gay guy growing up in the South. That's got to suck. I've given his age and all that, right. like things are different now. Uh, I hope, um, well, they're certainly better.
1: I think I don't think anybody would deny. It. I think that you know, that no matter how whether it still is problematic or not, or probably I would guess that
0: being probably a- really problematic. And like, hopefully, hopefully, the worst that's happening is arguing about who's going to make your wedding cake, right? Uh, when it used to be like, oh, you just may get murdered, right? So hopefully, but you know, you know, this kind of change takes some kind of time, so. Uh, so yeah, that that would have been what I would have thought, but I like this answer a lot. It's just like no, this is a fundamental, it's a fundamental freedom. And you know, like again, it's hard to it's hard to not get behind that, right? right. Uh,
1: you know, and you have to. He's a very careful speaker. It's you know, as he needs to be. Um, and they even addressed yeah. that 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 he was one of the things he's surprised by is he thought he would operate a little under the radar because he thought that the attention Steve Jobs got was because yeah. he was Steve Jobs. I love that, that quote. And that it didn't come with the job, but that right. he was wrong. That being the CEO of Apple brings an intense scrutiny to everything you say and do that, that he didn't quite anticipate because he really yeah. thought it was Steve and not the, the chair as he calls it.
0: Yeah. I think he's partially right. Like a lot of it was just because jobs, like if jobs had quit Apple and went somewhere else, which I can't even imagine happening but if you had people would still be following jobs right at this but point, apple yeah. at this point apple is huge right like yeah he the, like the hot seat is not just steve anymore it's it you won you, it worked you now you're you know you know now you're going to have weird pieces written about you that you don't like you are unsure of their sourcing, or like you say something and somebody's going to take it the wrong way. Yeah, I I really don't envy that kind of scrutiny. It is weird though. I mean, and I, you know, I don't
1: do I don't write like the five year commemorative piece. You know, I, I tend not to do those sort of anniversary type things. Yeah. Um, but it is still fun to think about. And it is weird to me to think that he's been CEO for five years. Now, just as a point of reference, like like a, the thing that made me go like, whoa, is I've been writing Daring Fireball since 2002, actually August 2002, so exactly 14 years. Um, so over a third of the time I've been doing Daring Fireball has been, Apple has been under Tim Cook. That's kind of crazy to me. Like That, it, is,
0: that is crazy. Yeah. In my
1: gut, it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel like, it still feels like the Tim Cook era is new and that I've spent most, you know, and it's true, I've still spent two thirds of the time, but, you yeah. know, give it another five years and it'll be half the time, half the time I've been doing this, Tim Cook's been in charge.
0: Yeah, yeah. I feel the same way about, well, first of all, when uh, Tim Cook was there for five years, I realized that, like, I've known you way too long and I should, Spend some time finding better friends, because <laughs> like we'd been friends for a long time. When Tim Cook took over, it's just I feel like I'm wasting my life here. Yeah. Um, the other thing, <laughs> the other thing is uh, his his tenure was so questioned at first, but mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at uh, was it Horace that, that posted the charts recently? Like, Oh, I'm sure he's posted some charts recently. Horace, <laughs> Horace did you? He's, has that's always what he does. He yeah, wakes up and he's recently. got a chart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no, like, Tim Cook's been like killing it for the first five years of his uh, tenure as CEO of, of Apple. Um, and I don't think he's doing it in the same way the bomber did. Because Balmer also had great results. Yes. But it was more like doubling down on what already existed. And in a way, kind of riding out the wave of success of Microsoft for a while. Yeah. Who I, honestly, these days, I, I, I just do better, guys. It like, might have I, been. I I, I, I'm, I'm actually like a Microsoft cheerleader at this point. Like I, I want them to do well. I really right. do.
1: Yeah, I think that the biggest mistake under Balmer—I mean, again, we could probably do a whole show about that—but yeah. uh, yeah. the biggest mistake was missing out on mobile, and
0: it's again—I've said this many yeah. times. Where it's, and he laughed about it, which I right. think is unfair. Like that thing where he's laughing off the iPhone, right? I, but okay, I, thats what's what he's doing in an interview, and he's a boisterous, over-the-top kind of guy. Like I kind of. Get- you know. The feeling though
1: that in that video where he laughs about the iPhone, that it doesn't have a keyboard and it's $600, and how are you ever going to do work without a keyboard? You know, it's, and he laughs. I know it is his personality. And of course, he's not going to say very good things about it. Right. But I do feel though that the way he, 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 his attitude in that video to me indicates that he didn't, even privately, didn't get it. He didn't yeah. look at the yeah. iPhone and think, oh, fuck, this is amazing, and we don't have anything. We are uh, – what? and I do believe that he should – the CEO of Microsoft should have been able to look at the iPhone and say – that first iPhone – and say, oh, we are screwed. Right. And it's true. If you read the, the great um, – uh, what was Andy uh, – uh, the great book by the guy from uh, the original Macintosh team –
0: Andy Hertzfeld?
1: Andy Hertzfeld. I was going to say Andy and
0: I know that that was sure. Andy Hertzfeld's book. Andy Anatko is a great guy.
1: Too. Uh, Revolution <laughs> in the Valley. And then he's also and most of those stories are also on his great website. Folklore.org. Oh, yeah,
0: that's a great site.
1: Oh my God. It's amazing. But I, yeah. I like it in the book. I like the book better, but if you want yeah. to be a cheap skate, you but can the read good. it for free. Yeah. Um, uh, He tells the story. He was there in the room when, when Bill Gates first saw, a Macintosh. I think it was still a prototype. And what he Gates was specifically obsessed about was the way that the mouse pointer moving on screen was so smooth. Mm -hmm. that The animation was so smooth because, uh, all other previous attempts at that there was, I I don't know what the details of how, how Apple did that, what, what the trick was, but there was some serious trickery going on that
0: these days is done in hardware. Uh, Back then, no, like you'd have to, you'd redraw the, the, the thing underneath, like your mouse was there, then right. you would move it, and then you'd have to redraw it where it was. Right, And it, and that's like, that on those kind of computers at that time, that was hard, like it, you know, right. if, it's a big it, deal. If you didn't do something special,
1: the mouse movement on all other systems that had a mouse, the mouse moved very jerkily. It was yeah. just real jerky, and on the Macintosh, even though the the hardware was by today's standards almost laughably, you know, minimal. You know, hundred what was it? Hundred twenty eight kilobytes of RAM. Yeah, or was yeah, the, or was the like one twenty eight k one the fat? I one? think that, I think that might have been the fat That might <laughs> have been the Um yeah. It's just a laughably sm- slow slow yeah, processor. So the other one
0: would have been like sixty four k. Yeah.
1: Right. Uh, we could be wrong on that. Syracuse. Yeah. I, think yeah. Syracuse yeah. I think the Fat Mac oh, was five twelve. I think the Fat right. Mac was five twelve. And I think yeah. the original was one twenty eight. Yeah. I don't think they ever okay. shipped a sixty four K Mac. It was about 128, but it was uh-huh. ridiculous. But okay. Gates saw the mouse movement and accused them of having dedicated hardware to do it because otherwise it would be impossible. And it and I think I think as the story goes, the jobs told Andy Hertzfeld okay. to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> Hertzfeld was going to tell Gates exactly how they did it. Of course and, he
0: would, which goes back to the previous right. point about like scientists right. dudes like want to just tell everybody right. all the stuff all the time.
1: But, but Gates uh. is the type of guy who could look at the Mac and see something like that and say, "Whoa, this is something." Whereas Balmer because he's so outside the product development and not really yeah. a software guy really is just a true business businessman CEO didn't look at the iPhone and see, whoa, this is, this is not something to laugh at. Like there was a way to answer that question where he doesn't look so bad in hindsight, you know, and yeah. the keyboard thing is a fine answer that I know that, you know, I've made hay over that over the years, but at the time because all people with business phones had BlackBerry style devices or their windows, you know, the windows mobile device was BlackBerry style where it had these hardware keyboards. That was a fine part of the yeah. answer.
0: Yeah. Uh, but Joanna Stern, who's been on this show a lot. Right. Or, she should be more often because she's hilarious, a uh, huge BlackBerry physical right. keyboard fan, you know, she loves it. Right. But you know, that Mrs. ship kind of sailed at this point.
1: Right. But that was a fine answer, right. but the laughing at it was inappropriate. And you could just see, I, I could just see that he just didn't have that. I feel like Tim Cook doesn't have that problem. He may not be a product guy, but he is absolutely to my mind, not focused solely on milking what Apple's got.
0: Okay. So two things, uh, Steve Jobs also crapped on products, right? Competing products, but yeah, competing products like Bomber did. So why do you think he managed to pull it off and Bomber didn't?
1: I think because Bomber was so profoundly wrong on that particular issue. Oh yeah, a little bit. It it
0: literally—it's not like Steve Jobs saying like Blu-ray is a bag of hurt, which it is, and we still don't have Blu-ray on any Mac.
1: Right, it literally became. I mean, this is no exaggeration, no hyperbole. The iPhone is the most successful product in in the history of consumer electronics. It's you yeah. know maybe the most successful product period. Like more successful than the Model T Ford. You know, it, it, it it's unfathomable how much money Apple has made on and makes every day on the iPhone. Uh, would I have predicted that when I first saw it when I was in that audience in at MacWorld Expo when when he showed? The, you know, Steve Jobs took the iPhone out of his pocket. Would I have predicted that it would be the most single most successful product in the world and would propel Apple to become or, – or, I think Apple's just – if they only sold the iPhone and it had no other business, they would still be the biggest company in the world by revenue and profit. Yeah. Would I have predicted that that would be true? No. But if you told me I'm from the future and that is true, I would have believed it. I would have said, yeah, this is so amazing that I I can believe that it's, that it's going to be that big.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've told well, I've told you this story before, and I'm sure I've said it before. But I bought an iPhone when I couldn't even use it. All I could all I could do (laughs) all I could do was swipe and call nine (laughs) one one. That's all I could do. I bought it. And I bought it just because of that. I'm like, I want this thing.
1: I think you told this story on the show before, which is Probably. amazing. And the yeah. thing that I forgot, you got halfway through the story last time, and I had totally forgotten. I still assume, though, okay, you couldn't make phone calls because you were in Canada, but you yeah. could, you know, you could still use Notes and get on Safari no. and do email. <laughs> <laughs> but you couldn't because those original iPhones had to be activated. you yeah. you'd take it out of the box and
0: you had to activate with AT. Indeed? Yeah. Before you could get yeah. past the... I had the lock screen. That's what I had. I And swipe was like, not swipe to unlock. It was like swipe to call 911. That was it. That's the only thing I could do. Oh. And I thought about doing it. But I, I'm a good citizen, so I didn't do it. But like, I still bought that phone. and loved it. That was a great phone. Eventually it got unlocked and right. things worked out okay. I've still got it. It's on my desk here. I'm not giving that thing up. But, uh, yeah, that first iPhone, a little bit of a, that's a cultural moment. Uh,
1: I don't know if you read it. I linked to it the other day. Um, a guy on medium, I, I've heard him before, but never really noticed a guy named Jan Dawson, mm-hmm. uh, wrote like a big, long medium post. It was five years of Tim Cook in charts. And he had all sorts of information. I, I just pasted it. It will be in the show notes. I swear. Um, uh, <laughs> but I thought it was really interesting, and he makes uh, a very interesting observation. I'm sure Horace has noticed it, and I probably should have. But it, but Dawson points this out in a way that was makes it very clear: is that under the five years of of Tim Cook, Apple's profit margins have gone down slightly. You know they've mm-hmm. you know they're high enough that a two percent drop in profit margins is not that big, but it's kind of gone from you know you know just dropped. Two percent, but that their spending on R and D has gone up as a percentage of revenue has gone has almost doubled, gone from like two percent to four percent, and that extra two percent correlates pretty much exactly with the two percent drop in profit margin that Apple has taken a little bit of a hit on profit margin to pump into R and D, you know, which again they can well afford to do because there's you know the profit margins have gone from extremely high to very high, or ever so slightly less extremely high. Um, yeah, and I to me again, you know, the proof will be in the pudding as to what pans out of this increase in R and D spending. Um, but to me, it it's evidence that he's as a leader, he's not focused on milking the past products.
0: Oh and- no that that's. Uh- I, I don't want to just be like an Apple cheerleader or a Tim right. Cook cheerleader here, but I, I think that this is a sign that uh, what Tim Cook is doing is very different than what Bonner was doing at Microsoft. Yeah. Microsoft doubled down on their existing assets, uh, Microsoft, uh, uh, Windows and Office. Uh I don't think that that was a problem though. I feel like, like I said before, I
1: think the only th- big mistake he made was missing out on mobile, and that the mobile the mobile plan they yeah, had I, was a bad w- idea. And then, they yeah, got,
0: but this is, uh, but I, I, so yeah, I see that as a symptom of like doubling down on Windows.
1: But I think that I think Ben Thompson has made this case. I, I'm just parroting Ben Thompson, frankly. But yeah. the fact that that Ballmer made Windows and Office so much more profitable than they were when he took over from Gates. It really did help strengthen Microsoft as a company that they made. He, he did such a good job of taking two products that were already yeah. incredibly profitable and incredibly you know strong in the market and made them even more so. It really strengthened Microsoft so that the fact that they, frankly, missed out on mobile.
0: Well, so when you say frankly missed out, I say at the expense of missing out.
1: I don't think that they're exclusive though. I think they could have done the same thing and had a better strategy. Oh,
0: they could have. All. But I mean they their focus was on uh deriving revenue right. from their two key right. assets. And, and I, so I think they got blindsided, yeah. frankly. You know? And they had Windows C E and they thought they were good. Uh it was not good. <laughs> It's literally wince like right. wince is like that's it. was the joke since the day one it, they shipped it. Uh, and it looked like Windows 95 on a phone, right, it even with had a start tiny menu. screen, it had a start menu, right? But come on, guys, like bad idea. Yeah,
1: it would be, be like really if the down, iPhone yeah. had in the top, starting at the top left, Apple.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. File, Remember those rumors that were like file
1: edit view. Right.
0: Remember like the phone rumors that were every right. time you'd see like a like a rendering you'd be like that right. is garbage. That's not know. gonna happen. Yeah. And during the iPhone launch, like those rumors were so popular that uh, Steve put up a photo of an iPod <laughs> with a rotary dial right. and like some other uh, whatever, like a list of names yeah. to like make phone calls, which is hilarious. Uh, but, yeah, so I I think Microsoft, at the expense of getting into mobile, focused on getting the most revenue out of their, their existing assets. Oh. I do think, I, and, you know, looking
1: back at Tim Cook's five years and these interviews and the stories and stuff like that, I feel like part of it, and it, he reiterates it over and over in that Washington Post interview, that he's focused on the long-term, not the short-term. And he said something about, like, the question was something to the effect of, what do you say to short-term investors who are frustrated because like for example if you're in apples on the short term right now for this calendar year they're down year over year for the first time and yeah. and his answer is we welcome investors of all sorts whether you're in for the short term or long term but we're very clear that our strategic plans are solely and only focused on the long term so if you want to yeah. ride us for 3 months and try to make a quick buck you're welcome to try but we're not playing that game
0: yeah i love that quote by the way yeah Everybody's welcome. We're thinking long term, so you should know right. about it. So right com, now.
1: Come in yeah. with your eyes open.
0: Yeah.
1: Right, like, and that I'm not going to worry about, you know, 190 day blip.
0: Right. So uh, just to be the Dennis Leary to your John Stewart, uh you want to talk about Vesper? Yeah. Well, let me take a break. I've, that was the last topic I wanted to talk about. Oh, you did. Okay. I thought I was going to have to like twist your arm. No,
1: but I figured let's, you know, let's not be self-indulgent. Let's talk about the real news first. Uh, Let me take a break down and thank our third and final sponsor of the show. Long time friends of the show. Great company. Fracture. Fracture is a photo decor company that is out to rescue your favorite images from the digital ether. You've heard, if you listen to the show, you know what they do. They take your photo, you send them digital photos. They print them directly on glass. Um, if you haven't, if you're new to the show, if you if you haven't heard the fracture thing before, I'm, I mean it. I don't know how they do it. I, I would actually, I almost am tempted to go down there and see the factory and see how they do it because I don't understand it. They don't print photo on paper and then like, glue it or seal it to glass. Somehow they actually print, directly on glass. I don't know how they do it. I've never seen anything else like it. I've never heard of anything else like it. I think it's like it's some kind of proprietary process. I don't know. But it is amazing. It really does uh, make the color and the contrast of your photos really pop. It looks better than printed photos in a glass frame. I don't know why, but it does. Uh, And because it's right there in the glass, you get, you could just use the actual piece of glass and it comes with everything you need to hang it up on a wall. It's got like cardboard on the back, but you don't have a frame. It just goes edge to edge. So it ends up looking like, uh, like the cell phones from, uh, uh what was that? Ryan Johnson movie with a looper. Or where it's just like a piece of glass where it just goes edge to edge and there is no bezel around it or anything, any kind of frame. It, it looks futuristic. It is amazing. It is a really cool look to not have any border at all. You, when you get your fracture, you don't have to then put it in a frame or something to hang it up. You just open the little cardboard thing that comes with, and it's ready to go right up there. Everything you need. It's really, really great. It is just, just fill your house with these things. Take your pictures of your kids, your family, whoever else you got, your dog, uh, sleeping on his uh, on his new mattress, take a cool picture of your dog, get a Fracture print of it, hang it up on the wall. They, they do it right in Gainesville, Florida from U.S. Source Materials. Their factory is carbon neutral. Uh, can't say enough good things about this. Take some summer vacation photos, get them printed. It, you won't regret it. So here's where you go for more information and 10% off your first order. You'll save some bucks. Go to FractureMe.com slash podcast. Uh, they're going to give you a survey. It is a one question survey. That is, where did you hear about them? And then you can, that's where you just say you heard about it on the talk show. Uh, couldn't be easier. Fractureme.com/podcast. slash
0: podcast. All right. Vesper. We shut down. Vesper. Well, wait, one, uh, just cause I did it for the other two. Uh, I've used <laughs> fracture. I like them. It's good. Like I, I loved the product. Uh, I would recommend it. And I'm, this is totally unsolicited and, kind of just jumping in the middle of your show to, to say that. Anyway, what what's up with Vesper, man? Well uh Yeah. Okay, so the Vesper we, ran for what, two, three years?
1: Three years. We shipped in June yeah. of twenty thirteen.
0: Okay. And, and you've you've wrapped it up now. Like you're right. Uh by the end of uh, I believe this month uh you're shutting off the sync service. Right. At this point,
1: we really only have two things. We have an iOS app and we have a sync service. And we, for various reasons, we need to shut down the sync service. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, There's some changes coming to Azure Mobile services. We might, it's you know possible that after these changes that it would, if we had left it up running, would keep running. But there's also possible we just don't know yet until they make the change. It's also possible that it would require engineering to fix and the yeah, effort we, that we don't we have because Brent is not working on Vesper anymore. So yeah. we don't have the engineering to keep them running. So since we can't guarantee it and we were thinking we should shut it down anyway, now is a good time to do it. So we're shutting down the sync service. So what we did is we shipped a new version of Vesper that has uh, two changes. One, you can no longer sign up for a sync account because it really doesn't make any sense to allow people to sign up for a sync account that is only going to last for five days. (laughs) Um, and two, it adds an export feature, which we probably should have had all along, but didn't for various reasons. But the way that we're doing, uh, export is really, uh, to me, it's, it's ideal is, and it's, um, Yeah, I've checked it out.
0: You did a good job.
1: There's confusion. And I think, I don't think that if you read what we wrote about it at various places, either in the release notes for this new version of the app or like Brent's blog or my blog, um, I don't think that what we wrote is confusing. But I think because of the way so many other services work. People mm-hmm. just come at it with the wrong impression and are confused. The one source of confusion people have is, "Hey, wait! If you're shutting down a sync service at the end of August, this is like too short of a notice. How am I going to export my notes? Mm-hmm. Because you're shutting it down. You know, like what if I'm a, what if somebody's on vacation for the last week of August yeah. and they don't get it, and the sync server is already off and they haven't been able to export their notes? And right. the confusion is that export doesn't go from the cloud. It's not. We, in fact, we can't. Like the way that the sync service is is worked is that. I guess we could, but it,
0: it you, the data's on the device,
1: right? And it's exported through, um, iOS document pickers. Is that what it's called? Document pickers. Uh, close
0: um, enough. Yeah.
1: So the one that's there by default for anybody who has iCloud is you can export to iCloud drive. Um, yeah. but if you have any other app that has a document picker extension, Dropbox is a obvious one. Uh, Another one that is very cool that I've tried is uh, Transmit from our friends at Panic. So if you have Transmit on your phone, uh, you can export your Vesper notes from your device to any web server that you have configured in Transmit. Yeah, so and it's really
0: server. weird that Panic did a good job. That's
1: yeah, it's shocking. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: but anyway, export goes from the device, not from the not, not from the cloud. So we can shut down the sync server and anything that uh, notes that you already have on your device, you can export including the pictures. And Uh, then what we're going to do is we're probably going to take Vesper out of the app store soon. Yeah. How do you feel? Well, I wrote about it. I mean, I'm sad. I mean, I really loved yeah. the app, and I liked, you know, I liked working with Brent and Dave. I really did have a lot of fun. But the truth is that once, you know, we we just never made enough money. I mean, I wrote about it. We never made enough money, so we couldn't really. We needed to make enough money to keep Brent full time, and we didn't. We never made that much money. Mm-hmm. Um, so Brent. It, uh, when was that 2014 at some point in 2014 he's been
0: an omni for a while now yeah so well, it might be like two years like 18 think, months maybe two years yeah i yeah. think it's
1: like two years i think two years since come september um brent went to work at the omni group which you know again it's like working for panic it's like uh oh
0: yeah kind of like this an all-star is... team oh yeah
1: uh yeah. you know it's it's like an all you know like uh kevin draunt going to the to the already great uh Golden State Warriors, like, oh yeah, now they just picked up Brent Simmons. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, sure, that's great. Brent, Brent has an awesome three pointer shot, right. by the way.
1: But the yeah. truth is that once Brent went to work for Omni full time, there was, you know, th- you know, we sh- the writing was on the wall that there was no way for us to continue. I mean, right. in theory, yeah. we could have hired somebody else or found somebody else to take over for Brent uh, yeah. and I'd be man. If
0: that. only you knew another you know, programmer. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> but. It, it's you know, I guess
1: part of the whole thing wasn't really that we wanted a programmer. The whole point was that I wanted to work with Brent Simmons.
0: I yeah, mean, that, was, <laughs> that makes me feel a lot better. That. Well, you know what I mean. Like I'm it's, joking. Uh, it's all it. Whatever. This. It's you know. For the sake of comedy, hey, I but,
1: mean, yeah, you've, no, the, it's true. I mean, well, I'll just say it. I mean, I, I, I it's not like I, I would, asked you if you wanted to do it, but I said, would you think of you know? We did talk about it a while. Oh yeah, so. no,
0: oh no, yeah, that's that's. Well, I didn't even want to bring that up,
1: but yeah, it's all a joke. Uh, right. Just as a maybe, as a what if, working but, with
0: Grant is like a life goal. Hey, that right. guy is amazing. I would love to have like work conversations with him. He's uh, man, he's good, really good. He's, he's smart, smarter like. One of the smartest guys I know.
1: So. Yeah, he is. It was great working with him. I really yeah. enjoyed it. And I, I personally feel very, I feel responsible for the failure of Vesper as a business because that was really, that was really? the part that was. Yeah, I do. I, I think Brent would disagree and Dave would, would disagree maybe. Yeah, I also disagree. <laughs> uh, I Because I feel like that was my job. Brent's job was to make the app, to do all, the, all of the engineering. And Dave's job was to do the design and make it, look great and work great and have a logic to it. And, you know, I definitely worked, certainly worked a lot on the design with Dave, but, uh, I feel like fundamentally my role as the, the director, as we called it was to make sure what we're doing is, you know, if anybody was responsible for make coming up with an idea and a business model that makes enough that we, that
0: we would be a success. That was me. And well, uh, it's admirable that you think that, but I think you're an idiot. That's well, not your that's it's not your fault. There's I feel no, res- let no. me put it this way. I feel responsible for the failure,
1: but I'm not losing sleep over it. <laughs> 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 Does that make sense? Like I'm not okay, trying, Yeah, that's good. That's good. Like, that's, I'm not trying that's... to be a martyr about it. I'm not trying to right. say, Oh, you know, poor me, you know, you know, feel bad for me that I'm that I'm blaming myself. Right. But I do think that I should have known it. I feel like in hindsight. Uh, Like I wrote about, I really feel like what we wanted to do. I mean, number one, there's all sorts of things. uh, Like one thing we agreed from the outset was that we didn't want to raise money. We did not want to, you know, be funded in any way. We wanted to effectively self-fund with, as they call it, sweat equity, um, where Brent could afford to spend, uh, you know, the good part of the first year uh, working on it before we made any money. You know, Mm -hmm. that he was coming from from Glassboard and, you know, had the luxury of being able to work for a while without making money. And the idea was we would self-fund by doing the iPhone version, selling it, making Mm -hmm. enough money from the iPhone version to, you know, sort of bootstrap the company financially while we worked on the next stuff, which was to do a sync service or figure out a way to, you know, whether it was building our own, which is what we wound up doing or using iCloud or Dropbox or something, um, and then doing a Mac version and selling that and then going forward from there with a, effectively a system where you could be at your Mac or you mm-hmm. could be on your phone. And maybe, depending on how we did the sync service, you could be on the, just on the web and you could do it from anywhere. Um, and I really do feel like, in hindsight, I, sh- I should have known better and we should have done the Mac version first.
0: I feel like... That's an interesting choice. And it's... Uh, uh. Atypical is I've, the word I'll use. Like, that, most people don't even think of doing a Mac app. Uh, I tend to agree with you, but I'm kind of a Mac advocate. <laughs> I really love the Mac. Right. And you're, you know, at Aged and Distilled,
1: you're probably. have a Mac app. Yeah. Right. We, we it. Yeah. Um, Thank you. And, you know, and for the same reason that, that uh, you and Chris, you know, did Napkin as a Mac app first. And so far mm-hmm. only, you know, I think we should have done the same thing with Vesper. And I I wrote about this. I mean, I'm just repeating it. You can go read the article on Daring Fireball. But I do think that Dave and I did the right thing where the schedule that we had was that Dave and I, we, 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 you know, where we agreed to, to create the company, it was at Singleton. Yeah, I
0: right? had heard that actually at the bar.
1: Yeah. So uh, mm-hmm. at Singleton 2012, uh, Brent said he wanted to talk to me and Dave. And I, I even remember who was speaking at the time. It was friend of the show, Glenn Fleischman.
0: Uh, yeah. yeah. you told so, me that. So we. S- you, you snuck out on, on Glenn. Yeah. <laughs> right. Singleton was a conference I used to run for, for the audience. Right. But uh, yeah, you totally ducked out. <laughs> you ducked
1: out on Glenn. So during Glenn Fleischman's yeah. talk, Brent and Dave and I went to the bar, which was right next door. So, I mean, we could vaguely hear Glenn's talk, but it was (laughs) was held in a nice hotel and there was a bar right next door and we, we, uh, had a couple of beers and, and Brent said, here's what I'm thinking. I'm, you know, I'm leaving Glassboard soon. I want to make, you know, I want to go back to doing indie apps. What I would like to do is make an app with you two guys. I think that we would make a good team. Uh, I don't even know what the idea is. What do you guys think? And we went from there, but that's where Dave and I instantly were like, yeah, I'm in. Let's figure yeah. this out. Let's make a make it happen. But the the timeline was that Brent wasn't he, he had months to go at Glassboard yet. He was going to give notice and wind down, uh, you know, very gracefully, you know. So we yeah. lead time. That guy's a professional. Yeah, yeah. and he left on you know uh, you know perfectly amicable terms. But he had but right. there, there were going to be months in advance where Brent wasn't spending any time on Vesper. Uh, mm-hmm. which was fine. And in fact, we thought this works out great because once we decided on the idea of this Notes app um, concept, uh, Dave and I spent months going over the the design before Brent wrote anything. And I think in hindsight, I still think we did the exact right thing by designing the iPhone app first. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I think that we should have, as soon as we were done designing the iPhone app, should have designed the Mac app and then had Brent build that first. And the reason I say that is that I really do think... That in today's world, if you plan to have an iPhone app or a mobile app in general, if you want to include Android, you should design that first because that's where all the constraints are going to be. That's where the screen size is most limited. That's where right. the f- the features are less limited. I mean, we're all plain text guys. One of the things I love about Vesper is that it's a plain text app, meaning there's no italics, no bold. You don't get to change the font. You don't get to make it bigger. Or if you do, it's system-wide. So all your notes, you know, right. if yeah. you make it bigger, all your notes are bigger. Um. And I love plain text. I think plain text has won the war. I think, you know, I, I have a rant in me about that. But I think the way that, like, Facebook and Twitter don't have fonts, you know, that it's just plain text, is is a better system. Uh, I feel like email got ruined as soon as email changed from being a plain text medium.
0: Uh, I agree. Um, but I'm old, so
1: whatever. <laughs> but, so we were never, we were always, good. there was never any question that we were, that Vesper was going to be plain text. But... As an example, one of the things that would be easy to do if you went uh, Mac first is there's a fantastic uh, – what is it? NS text field? Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 well, on okay.
0: Whatever. On Mac. On iOS. It's, on Mac, yeah. Right.
1: You get a full program. word processor
0: for free. Uh, uh, yeah.
1: Right? You can make like a Hello World app without writing any code and just – you know, in, in Xcode, you can just use Interface Builder and yeah. build, build... That was a Steve Jobs demo. Was, yeah.
0: Like, drag one of those out.
1: It's one of the things Next Click was Proudest of. Stuff, but the, yeah, there's yeah. an RTF, rich text uh, format, text editor. You know, you can effectively text build...
0: text document is what RTF stands right.
1: for. Uh, okay. I mean, the the actual text edit app has a bunch of other features. There's, you know, the autosave and, and a whole bunch of nice stuff. But you can effectively build text edit for free and... Or a version yeah, that's very close to yeah. it
0: where you get also t- they give you the code. Yeah, they give you the code. It's like the demo code that you get. I but if think you they made, still do, at if, least back in the day they did. But yeah.
1: If you made a notes app and there's plenty of them uh using that field, which would be very natural to do if you go Mac first, you're up Shits Creek trying to make that go to the iPhone because the iPhone doesn't have an RTF editing field.
0: Right. Yes, uh, I think you can, I don't know, I think you can render it now as of iOS 7. Yeah, it's not quite, you don't, it's I believe there's there's cases that you can't, yeah. Well, you know, because you shipped an app with it. That's just one, it's
1: just one example, though, of the type of thing where you can do all sorts of more powerful stuff on the Mac uh, than you can do on the iOS.
0: Yeah, Uh, but but I think that that serves your point, it's like, get designed for mobile first. And then maybe like do a Mac app. Yeah, that's chargeable money for it, frankly. But the only way you
1: can make a Mac app where you're aware of the constraints of the iOS version is to design the iOS version first. Yes. Um, I agree. And I really think we could have done that. I think that we definitely could have sold it for a lot more money because I think we would have sold it for $20 a copy. And the counter, I could be wrong. The counter argument is obviously that there are way more iPhone users than Mac users. Um, but I don't think there are that many more iPhone users who pay for productivity apps like notes apps than there are. So yeah, this is one of the things it's
0: like, you know, at one point there were so many windows machines out there that it was like, it was crazy. Uh, but nobody was buying software on them. Which yeah matters a lot like right. that's all you care about is how many people out of this install base are actually buying software and if on iOS it's really low it's uh less of an appealing target than the Mac where maybe it's like a little bit higher right. and people are willing to pay you a little bit more money
1: so uh, there was a notion in the early years of the app store that you know and certainly it- a lot of the people in our circle, people we know, um, indie Mac developers started making indie iOS apps, and there was yeah. a, a feeling like maybe that the iOS market would be a lot like the Mac market, which has a long term, you know, for you know, back when we used to call it Shareware supported. Mm-hmm. Independent software, where independent developers could create apps, sell them at a price and a quantity that multiplied by each other would equal enough money right. to be to do this full time and call it a job, um, and that that iOS would work out similarly. And then it was very clear, very quickly, that the prices on iOS were going to be a lot lower. Um, and the thought was, well, maybe the quantity will be so much higher that the multi multiply the price by the quantity, and it'll be equivalent. Mm-hmm. And it's hasn't worked out that way. I mean, that's and again, I'm not assigning blame. I'm not saying it, you know we could we could maybe make an argument that Apple had some blame, but I'm just stating the fact that the way it's worked out is that, with rare exceptions, and there are exceptions, but it is a lot less of a feasible platform for that idea. The idea of you'll make an app, sell it for X dollars to Y people, and then you'll have X times Y revenue minus right. <laughs> minus thirty percent. <laughs> and it just didn't work yeah. out that way. Whereas it, the Mac is still yeah. thriving for stuff like that. And I think ultimately it's better to look at iOS as something more akin to the web where you like mm-hmm. you can't make daring net, And then when you load it, you say you have to pay $5 before you can read it. Like the web just doesn't work that way. Right. I mean, and the closest the web comes to that is paywalls and everybody knows paywalls suck. Um, so, I think for well, application software, yeah. I, I think in general, and again, there are exceptions, and Fantastic Cal is a great example. Uh, uh, Tweetbot is a, f- a great example um, where they are iOS apps that sell for a couple of bucks and sell in sufficient quantities that the developers can afford to do it, work on them full time. Um, but for the most part, iOS doesn't work that way. And I think most people should approach it as being more akin to the web where the, the, the app is free and maybe there's an in-app yeah. purchase to unlock better features or themes or something like that, but that fundamentally it has to be a free download or else you just get lost.
0: Yeah. I largely agree with that.
1: You know, yeah. and and the demo thing is the one area where you can complain that Apple doesn't allow you to have iOS app demos um, and the Mac yeah. you can. I mean, even there are even apps like I just tried it because the guys at Ulysses, Ulysses is a text yeah, editor. Yeah, Great,
0: great text editor. Yeah.
1: Um, Uh, or project-based writing editor, uh, Mm -hmm. sort of like an Xcode for writing type thing, Uh, they released a very nifty uh, tool specific for the Vesper export format where you can just Mm -hmm. drag the folder onto this tool that they just released yesterday, and it will translate your Vesper export into a format that is exactly imported into Ulysses. So Ulysses on the Mac, I thought this is really interesting. Uh, The only way to buy it is to get it through the App Store one and only way, but they still have a demo version on their website that you can download so that huh. you can try it before you buy it. But the demo, unlike a lot of other developers, the demo, there's no way to do it in app and, and circumvent it. They, they are, you know, apparently so happy with the app store in terms of be, using that for all the processing
0: and everything. Well, but, there's a bunch of technical issues for that. Right. There are. And that they can do iCloud, you know, and they can count on yeah, iCloud. Yeah. Like, cause you can't change your entitlements. Right. right. Uh, uh, that's entitlements means uh, it's a technical term. Right. But there's, you, you, yeah.
1: But long story short, there still is a demo version that you can try. And that really, yes. to me, yeah. is fundamental to getting people to part with $20, 30 $40 for an app.
0: Yeah. I agree. As a guy that sells a $40 for app on the Right. Back, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. How many people do you think
1: for a Napkin, how many people do you think try the demo before they buy?
0: I have no demo.
1: Oh, you guys don't have a demo? Are you guys App Store um, only?
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You
1: guys should have a demo.
0: Yeah, we we want to. Uh. <laughs> I didn't know that. Well, uh, yeah. I know a so guy. One, he, one of, one, one of our, you know a guy. I know a guy, and he hooked me
1: up with a free copy of Napkin, so I'm not familiar with, with how it's purchased.
0: Uh, that's good. Did we give you a free one?
1: I don't know. Maybe I bought it. <laughs>
0: I don't remember. <laughs> I might. Maybe I owe you for the bucks. I don't know. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, no, we don't have a demo. And uh, the original reason was that like one of the key features we had was sharing the graphic that you create uh, on iCloud, and we couldn't do that mm. without selling through the app store. And it wasn't worth having two
1: versions that were different, you know.
0: Yeah, that's that's. I think it changed, sort of- and uh, you know, like given our now that we know the audience a little bit, that's. Not necessarily the yeah. primary use case. So it's sort of the opposite
1: man. of what Rich Siegel did with BB Edit, where Rich mm-hmm. had BB Edit on both, you know, as an independent download and in the Mac App Store. And in fact, gave a terrific talk at Singleton. Yeah. Uh, it was really one of my favorite Singleton talks ever, was oh, Rich Siegel. It was Siegel, great. Yeah. About why he was leaving the Mac App Store and just going. And it, I think to make a very, it was a 40 minute talk and it was great. To boil it down to a nut, it was you know, just a lot less stress to have one version that wasn't in the Mac app store.
0: Yeah. Because the single of VB edit and, and bare Software. software, uh, not a dummy. They've been in business <laughs> for like a long time. I, you know what? <laughs> like, I'll tell
1: you, I'll, it'll be a surprise when it happens, but I was just talking with rich. I'm going to have, he's going to be a guest on the show very soon.
0: Oh, cool. Oh man. That's awesome. He's great.
1: Yeah. He's, he's, he's pretty good. Anyway, uh, Vesper. So anyway, we didn't make enough money. We went iPhone first. I think it was foolish to go iPhone first and expect to make money from selling a paid app to to justify the company. Whereas I think if we had gone Mac first, it would have been we would have made at least as much money and I think we would have made more. And you do, therefore you, Brent could have worked on it full time more and we would have we would have right. uh, gotten off the ground. Would you do another app? Oh, absolutely. If the if the, the situation were right. I mean, it's not like I'm going to do an app period, but if the right, you know. Yeah, the right it, people, given the
0: circumstance, right,
1: yeah. It would depend on who it was. If I wanted, you know, if I like him, I wanted to work with him and whether the idea appealed to me. I mean, Vesper was a perfect storm for me because I really, I've always wanted to work with Brent. Dave and I really did have a fantastic uh, uh design process we mm-hmm. really did i mean and and we we disagreed in the best possible way and
0: yeah that's know,
1: yeah sometimes that's. he would change my mind and sometimes i would change his mind but we both would listen to each other and we would be able to sort of say i kind of feel like it should be this instead of that but if i said or he he or i said i feel incredible i am convinced that i'm right And even if you, you know, and, and Mm -hmm. we would pull that card, we would listen to each other. Like, even if I disagreed, thought it should be this. And he said that, but he said, I'm convinced it should be that. Then I would say, okay, because I'm not convinced.
0: The best. It was a great working relationship you can have. And I love the app.
1: I really, I still love it. So yeah, me too. It was, it was good work. It was a perfect storm. It was worth putting a lot of time into,
0: but I don't know what else to say about it. Yeah. Remember when we wanted to do a fart app? <laughs> this is way back in the first year.
1: We, we could talk this about it. This is like 2007. America. Yeah, this No, point, 2009, it's like, right? Or
0: 2008, oh, I guess. 2008,
1: I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: the idea was... I was just cracking a joke. We don't need to actually share this story.
1: <laughs> All right, maybe not, because I still think it's a good enough idea. that we. Yeah,
0: should I want to keep that, but... I think I still have the domain name. <laughs> Damn <laughs> I love the idea of you renewing that all yeah. the time. <laughs> it's it's pathological. It's probably going to
1: bankrupt me eventually. But it'll ba- eventually <laughs> bankrupt me, or is the my my the the
0: annual let bill? Me, let me know. Maybe I'll uh, you know I'll toss some money away. Yeah. The just annual keep, bill for un, unused domain names. Oh the, uh, yeah. Well, I'm not paying for all the other ones. I have. Uh, you know what? I have so many dumb domain names. I think I have (laughs) commonfireball.net. Common fireball. Something like that, just to be a dick. And I I can't even remember what the joke was. It's probably had something to do with that common markdown or something, right? Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. It was like, I think of a joke where I'm going to be a dick to you, and then I just, I don't, it's like, oh, that's work, and I don't care. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh anything else anything else you wanted to ask me about Vesper?
0: Um
1: I mean I think we covered it all.
0: I mean it's I think yeah, you covered a lot. Uh people I will I say the this. Quest- let me, okay, let yeah. me just
1: say this. I will yeah. say that we I we have received an awful lot of both on Twitter and by email, an awful lot of very 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 nice things that people said after we said this about Vesper and I want to thank everybody who took the time to write. I do appreciate
0: that. Do you have a question? That was going to be my question. Is do you feel a responsibility to your users? Uh, I do. You've kind you've kind of covered a bit with the sync issue, right? But yeah, um, I do. But on the
1: other hand, even at its most expensive, it was ten bucks, and I, I, you know, I feel like, and an app will keep working. You know, if you've bought it and and you know you have it on your phone, it should keep working for a long time. I mean, it definitely still works on iOS ten or at least on the betas, there's nothing in iOS 10 that breaks it. Eventually something in iOS, I guess will break it, but I, it might be many years. So,
0: yeah, we, t- I mean, we talked about that privately, but right. I, I think you're good for at least two more releases. Yeah. So that's at least two years, you know? Yeah. Cause you're, I mean, you don't do anything crazy.
1: Right. And it would be something like, uh, like when apps went from 32 bit to 64 bit and now 60, 60- 32-bit apps launch and you get like a warning uh, for various reasons. We don't have to say why, but uh, I think it's presaging the fact that eventually maybe next year, 32-bit apps are just not going to launch on iOS anymore. I think that's eventually going to happen. Some change like that will eventually happen and Vesper will break, but it might be many, many years away because I don't think there's any kind of change that big coming soon.
0: Yeah. Who knows? But, yeah it Does, doesn't seem like it, but yeah yeah, I think you'll be fine for years, yeah, and there could be some I wish those was can, can you take an app off the store and still have people upgrade to it?
1: I don't know, I actually don't know, like so that it's there so that if you already i think yeah, we can, if you've I got
0: mean, like an old one and you want to upgrade to the one with export right, you can get it despite the fact that it's not actually available for purchase well yeah, free download on the store yeah. The current plan is
1: to take it off the store. I think we can do it in a way where if you want to restore, you'll still be able to download. It'll be there, uh-huh. but it will be hidden from new users. But since we've made I, it free, I don't know. Maybe I don't, I'm not quite sure. Maybe we could reconsider that. Maybe who cares? Just keep it. Yeah. Down.
0: And you got a bunch of new
1: downloads. More downloads since we made it free. More downloads than we had in the entire three-year history of it being. Free, <laughs> so. Which I, I'm not surprised about. And again, I'm not complaining. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand how this works, but... There were times where we were selling it for as low as like $2. <laughs> yeah.
0: Re- you guys messed with the price a bit. Yeah. Right. Cause it was 10 originally. No, four ninety nine. I think originally. And, okay. And,
1: and that was when it was most, like it was far more successful in the first year. I mean, it corresponds to when it was most actively developed. The first year it sure. was most successful yeah. was mostly for most of that time, four ninety nine. I think we were in like a, hol- a Christmas promotion where we lowered the price. Um, and then once we realized we were running out of steam financially, we'd, you know, well, we have nothing to lose. Let's see what happens if we make it cheaper. Let's see what happens if we
0: make it more expensive. And yeah. neither yeah. really made any difference. Well, that's what you get from making a shitty app, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guy. <laughs>